you have a 401k and some savings for future retirement, but you don't even know if it's enough to live off of? How much is enough? And how often do you think about it? The team at JPEX Financial Group can help set your mind at ease. We specialize in creating strategies, doing the planning and managing of your financial, educational, and investment needs. We help clients pursue their investment goals with sound financial strategies. You deserve a personal, tailored plan. Lasting, meaningful, and open relationships are the foundation of our practice. You've worked hard for your money and should feel confident with your investment choices as you make decisions for your financial future. Your goals are our goals. We are dedicated to your needs and hopes for your future. Visit our website or give us a call at 860-430-5397. Clovercrest Media Group presents a CMG podcast. Keys to the city. I crossed up by Kobe, well, floated Shaq, and then Shaq goes like this, and the rest is history. Pay attention. Don't tell me what to do, devil woman. Speaking of those Lakers. But I, but I, hold on, hold on. But I didn't make my I didn't make my I said Denver's going to win. Yeah, you did. You said that. There's no other show like that. Clover Quest is doing great things right now. Streaming everywhere. Joel Turner, first down. Wide open, it's Barkley. And Saquon Barkley will take it into the end zone. Your best ability is of his availability. Saquon Barkley, he's great when he's on the field. But the problem is, since 2018, he hasn't been healthy for this team. Look at this. They lob it to him. He taps it in off the glass. How about that? Porter Moser, I think right now, is the best coach of college basketball. Hands down. Fins, two for three. He's done his part. Pitch is drilled to deep right field toward the pole, and it is gone. They don't mind not being what they were in the 90s as the best organization in baseball, because the Yankees are not. They're even close to the best organization in baseball. They're trying to be the Rays, and the Rays do this for a reason. Like, you're the Yankees. Welcome to Sports Talk with R&J. I am Steve Risser along, along with Justin D'Onofrio. And we got to start with the NFL, and we got to start with the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, they play Thursday night this week. It's the Saints and Cowboys played Thursday last week. Both are trying to avenge losses from last week. The Cowboys obviously had that crazy game against the Raiders where they had 28 penalties, and then the Saints had that game where no one showed up, in, and, and then they got destroyed to the Buffalo Bills. But in this game, obviously, the big story is going to be they will be they, the Cowboys will be without head coach Mike McCarthy. He, he tested positive for COVID-19 on Monday. We hope he's doing well. We hope he's doing well. Dan Quinn's going to step in as the interim head coach. There's also you know five other Cowboy coaches that won't be coaching the game either. So, so it's, it's, it's going to be very chaotic. It's a very chaotic, chaotic week for the Cowboys coaching staff. Uh, but I do think this is this is a game, though. If the Cowboys I – mean, last week I said if the Cowboys wanted to be a Super Bowl contender, they had to beat the Raiders. They didn't do that. Out of the five teams in the NFC, out of the, the big five teams in the NFC, the Cardinals, the Packers, the Buccaneers, and the Rams, I have the Cowboys five out of five. I mean, you could argue maybe they're fourth, maybe they're better than the Rams because the Rams aren't playing well either, but I have them five out of five right now. I think with the Eagles losing to the Giants last week, I think the Cow- I know the Redskins are five and six too. I think the Cowboys are clearly the best team in the division. So I was going to say, I was going to say going into this game, if the Cowboys wanted, to, if the Cowboys lost this, they'd be in danger of making the playoffs. But I just feel like they're still the best team in this division. But the Cowboys got to get back on track and, and show that they're going in the right direction. If they lose this game, it really shows that they're going in the wrong direction. So for this game, they're probably going to be without Ezekiel Elliott. But the good news for them is they're going to get C.D. Lamb and Amari Cooper back. And we don't know if, if the Saints, if Alvin Kamara is going to play for the Saints. 
I think this is a close competitive game. I think this the strong Sean Payton is going to have this team competing on Thursday night. This is going to be a close competitive game. But at the end of the day, I'm even. I got to take the team with more talent. I got to take the team with more talent in this game. I feel like uh, Dak Prescott will make enough plays. I don't think he'll have a great game, but I think he'll make enough plays. I think. I think the Cowboys' defense will force a turnover from Trevor Simeon. I think this is a close competitive game. But at the end of the day, I got to go with the Cowboys winning it, and I got them winning it twenty to seventeen over the Saints. But Justin, can the Saints' defense help them snap their four-game losing streak? It's going to be tough. I have the Cowboys 24-17. I For the Saints, I I definitely do think they show up this week. Again, they, they've had two bad games. I know it's been injuries. They've lost guys and all that. But with everything going on with the Cowboys, with all the COVID stuff, and hopefully, you know, with the coaching staff, hopefully they're all doing well and we'll be back soon. Like, I think that the Saints do keep this close. Like, I think their offense will probably chew as much clock as possible to shorten this game up. And I think that will, you know – keep Dak Prescott and their offense and Cowboys offense out the field long enough that they hang in there. I don't think, again, because the Saints secondary has not been great, and I think the Cowboys are going to make some plays through the air. They, you know, Saints have been good stop in the run besides the last few weeks. You know, they Cowboys still have Tony Pollard, who's still a really nice back to have, as your, especially as your backup. Um, but I, I still have to take Dallas on the road, even though with all the problems right now that the Saints have, I, I think Dallas still has the more talented team in this game. I would take the Cowboys 24-17. to 17. Yeah, and why I think Dak's not going to play as well is I think I think the Saints are – I know the Eagles ran all over the Saints, but I do feel like the Saints are going to be able to stop the run. I think they're going to be able to stop the running game with Tony Pollard, so that might force a turnover there. That might give them a chance. I just in this game just feel like the Saints just don't have they're just they've just lost so many guys. I mean they might not obviously they might not have Camara. They lost Michael Thomas for the season. Trevor Simeon is a bad quarterback, one of the worst quarterbacks in the, in the league, and that's really showed up over, over the last couple of weeks, especially Thursday night against the Bills. I mean, obviously the Saints the Saints are at home, but I just feel like I'm gonna I'm taking the more talented team here. I think this is the game where the Cowboys get back on the right track. I mean, I don't, I don't think this is a Super Bowl contender, but I still think this is a team that, that should win the division and and they might be able to win a playoff game against the Rams in the first round. Yeah, absolutely. It's a team that definitely can win a playoff game, probably not much after that. You know, they have they have a lot of talent. The Cowboys did. They're not playing up to their full potential right now. It's just, I don't know, what it is. Last week, defense just didn't really show up at oh, all. terrible. And, 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 you know, you could talk about the referees, but 28 penalties, that's on yeah. poor play in the secondary and poor coaching. That, that's what it is. You can talk about the referees all you want. That's on poor play in the secondary and poor coaching. Yeah, because I thought most of those penalties were actually good call. Like, you know, like there wasn't too many calls in that game where I said, you know, like usually in a game like that, you kind of thought a lot of them would be questionable, but they really weren't. Like that one in uh, OT was – Oh, oh, terrible. Ter- Anthony Brown was yeah. absolutely pathetic on Thanksgiving. Pathetic. Point. I don't want to hear excuses from Cowboy fans about the penalties. Anthony Brown was pathetic on Thanksgiving. He shouldn't even been on the field. And they should have not been playing man coverage all the time. They should have adjusted and played zone. I don't want to hear the excuses from the Cowboy fans about the penalties. Yeah, no, the, both sides are horrible. The Raiders always lead the league in penalties uh, for the most part. So, yeah, you know, last week was a bad one. Um, so we got we got a comment from Hector. So do you think Philly or Washington can make a run if the Cowboys if the Cowboys lose this week? It's hard for me to say. I think Philly, Philly can. I think they have a. They, they think if if you if 
if you had a, if I had a choice between the two teams, it would be Philly I, because I think Washington still has to play Dallas twice, and those are going to be really really two uh, tough games for Washington. Dallas is the better team. Dallas, I think, definitely wins one of those two games uh, between those two teams, and then Washington is a tough game this week. I'm, I will I'll tell you what I'm picking later, but Washington is a tough game this week. They're going they're going out to Vegas to play the Raiders on a short week, and they also. Play the Giants again on the road in the last game of the season. Even though the Giants aren't good, they're still on the road playing that game against the Giants. And Washington's still got to play Philly Philly twice. I don't see Washington sweeping either Philly or or uh, or, or Dallas. No. For the Eagles, I, the Eagles I think have the easier road. I think they they play the they play the Jets. They got they they play Washington, so I think they'll win one of those two games. Uh, then, then they got the uh, the Giants at home. I think they get revenge against the Giants the second time they play them. I think the game last week was more about the Giants, the Eagles losing the game, and the Giants winning the game. I think there's a better chance if the Cowboys lose this week of the Eagles winning that division. I mean, there'd be a much better chance of the Eagles winning that division if they didn't give the game to the Giants last week. But between the two teams, I would say the Eagles. Yeah, I want to go watching because I think they are the better team. But as you mentioned, the schedule we talked about the Eagles schedule last week. It just it's it's so much easier that down they, they watching. Yeah, they still have to play the Cowboys weights. They still got to play the Giants on the road. They got to go to Vegas this week. Like because I think you know, like the Eagles looked like they were playing well on last week. I don't know why they kept trying to throw the football last week with Jalen Hurts. I yeah, that no was a, that, that, that's why I don't trust Nick Sirianni as a head coach. I really don't. I'm not high on Nick Sirianni because that just was a poor game plan. That was just a poor game plan last, last week. You know Jalen Hurts doesn't have it. And you have a guy who's had great games. I know Boston Scott's not good, but he's always good against the Giants. So why don't you utilize that weapon? That To, to me, that, that was just a very poor game plan by Nick Sirianni, and Jalen Hurts was absolutely terrible last week. Yeah, I'm like even that play at the end of the half. I don't know. You got to have that internal clock. That's something you have to have at like high school football. Oh, that, 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 that's that clock. His two picks last week were inexcusable. Yeah. Those two of those three picks were inexcusable. One on third down, the pick, the pick two at Darnay Holmes, and the one to Tate Crowder was flat out terrible. Absolutely pathetic interception by Jalen Hurts there. Yeah, absolutely, and you know it costed him. And then you could drop the two drop balls there by Rieger late in the game. Oh, so Rieger, like, oh, that's, you know, that's another conversation for for Howie Roseman, who picked Jalen Rieger over uh, Justin Jefferson. Terrible, terrible pick right there. Yeah, it was that, that should be should should be a pick that should get you fired. Yeah, that that should that that's going to haunt them for the next 10, 15 years. Well, like and it, like as we're talking, like it's like I want to pick Washington, but like their schedule is just so much more difficult. The Eagles, and that's why I think the Eagles will as long as the Eagles get back to what they do best. And you hope they do that with the running game this week. But like, I, I take Washington Ron Rivera any day of the week over Nick Sirianni, but yeah, it's just, it's a schedule wise. I, again, the way they run the football Washington, like I, I could see them beating them once. I, I can't see them beating them twice, especially if it's a big spot and the Cowboys need the win. And I mean, then Taylor like, even against Dak Prescott. Yeah. That too. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I he, he won't be able to outdo them. So Washington's playing a lot better. I just yeah, that schedule wise, it's just it's not there's not too many cup there's not at all any cupcakes there for Washington the rest of the way. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. And then going back to the Cowboys, it's just uh, this week. I, I think I just think they pulled out. I, I just think right now I don't think the Cowboys are a great team. They've been they yes they've been without Lamb and Cooper. I mean they've been out Cooper for the last two weeks. They've been out with been without C D Lamb for the last week and a half because they missed they missed the second half of the Kansas City game due to having a concussion. But the Cowboys, I don't think they're the best. They're not. I don't think they're, they're the best team in the NFC. I think that's pretty obvious. But they're the best team in the NFC East, and I just think that they're eventually in these last, you know, these last six, these last six, these last six games, they're going to prove that they're going to win this division. 
Yeah, I think so too. I think they'll figure it out, you know, maybe not this week with every kind of the coaching staff being out, but like, I, I think they'll figure it out at some point here down the stretch. You got Washington, you know, you got a big three game road trip right here, you know, that watching next week and that, that the Giants. So yeah, I think the Cowboys will figure it out eventually before taking on Arizona week 17. Cause I, I you know, they, they have a lot of talent, especially offensively. And we've seen the growth defensively this year and yeah, they've taken kind of, they took a big step back last week, but it's like, we've seen the growth and what Mika Parsons done for that defense this year after drafting them. So like, yeah, I think they Cowboys are a talented team right now with how bad the Rams are playing. I'd probably put like the Rams 4A and the Cowboys 4B. Like it's not too much of a gap anymore. Like it was a few weeks ago, but yeah, it's like, Clearly, I think the Cowboys are still the best team in the NFC East. Yeah, absolutely. 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 So, interesting game for the Cowboys this week. But we got to move on to probably the biggest game of Week of uh, week 13, and that's, and that's the New England Patriots going to Buffalo to face the Bills. And I think, you know, this is going to be a close competitive game. And I know I have not been, you know, as high on the Patriots as a lot of people are. But if they can win this game, they're seventh in a row in Buffalo, when Buffalo has 10 days off. Let's, just, let's remember, Buffalo's got 11 days off. Yeah, because they, they have a ton of time off. They have a major advantage going into this game, the Bills. If New England could come in here and beat the Bills in this game, I'm definitely in on the Patriots being Super Bowl contenders. I will promise that to the audience. I will promise that to the Pats fans listening. If they win this game, I will be in on them being Super Bowl contenders. But as of right now, I feel like the Buffalo Bills are the better football team going into this game. I still think they, they obviously have the better quarterback in Josh Allen. I think their defense is close to as good. The Patriots don't have a skill guy as good as Stephon Diggs on their team. And I and I think I think the, the weather is going to be an advantage for the Patriots because it's going to be a windy night in Buffalo. So I think the Patriots will be the team that runs the football better. I do think Josh Allen might make a mistake, but I do think the Bills defense forces Mac Jones to make a mistake. In a close competitive game, I'm going to go with the team with the better roster and the better quarterback. And I got the Buffalo Bills going back into first place, beating the Patriots twenty-three to twenty-three to nineteen on Monday night. But Justin, can the Pats defense contain Josh Allen, and can Mac Jones manage the game to help them take control of the AFC East? Yeah, I get the Pats twenty-three to twenty-one. I think the Patriots run the football better than the Bills, and I think they keep Josh Allen and that offense off the field long enough. You know, the, the defense has been. 15 turnovers in the last six games, and that's, you know, Patriots have been great at that. Again, then the Bills have lost the ball, or they've turned the ball over 11 times in the last, you know, five games, pretty much into bye. They have not really looked right offensively. Not, you know, defensively, they've had their issues as well. I think Mac Jones, you know, Mac Jones, I know he missed Hunter Henry last week. He had a couple of balls probably should have been picked off last week. I know wasn't his best game. He still threw for over 300 yards. You know, Kendrick Bourne has really stepped up the last few weeks for him. Um, he made – he had two touchdowns last week. So uh, this defense right now, they gave up the big touchdown last week in that draw, but it was kind of, but they made, they gave all sorts of fits to Ryan Tannehill. He, they benched some, you know, third, fourth quarter in that game. He was not, you know, they made him look horrible last week. I think the Patriots um, defense is, you know, plays well again. I think, yeah, they shut down the running game. And I think Josh Allen's going to have to make a lot of plays to the air, but I, I, the Patriots secondary has played a lot better these last few weeks playing a lot more zone coverage. I'll take the Patriots. I think they're playing right now best team. I think they're playing one of the best teams right now in the entire league. Buffalo's not. I'll take Bill Belichick to come in here. Eight days off to come in, come up to Buffalo. He's owned Buffalo. I'll, I'll take the Pats to go on the road and get the win. 
And really outside of that Monday night game last year in, in Foxborough, Bill Belichick's had his way with Josh Allen. He really has. Cause I mean, he, he beat him. I think he beat him in his first of four starts. He beat, he beat yeah. Josh Allen in his first four starts. And then last year, even though the bills won the first game, Josh Allen didn't play that well in that game. And that they've been New England. That was a bad weather game in Buffalo, a much worse, a, 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 a New England team that was much worse, ran the ball, played pretty good defense against Buffalo in the game at Buffalo last year. Obviously, the game in New England, I mean, Josh Allen, they, they completely blew out the Patriots in that game. But the game last year in Buffalo, they played them tough. So Bill Belichick has had his way with Josh Allen. And you made a good point about the Patriots defense. Yes, they gave up a lot of rushing, they gave up a lot of rushing yards last week, which is a little bit concerning. But it's been the turnovers, the turnovers, and obviously they had all they've had all those pick sixes the last, the weeks the, the weeks previous to them playing the Titans, and then last week they forced a bunch of turnovers. This defense has been very opportunistic and has played really really well uh, recently. But we we go we're going into the home stretch, and the Patriots are playing have have some tough have some tough games here. We said in this four game stretch against the Titans and against the uh, and against the, 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 the two games against the Bills and the one game against the Colts, they had to go they had to win two out of those three games to make the playoffs. I still think that's true because I think they're going to beat the Jaguars because I, they should beat the Jaguars. So, so that's so that's nine wins right there. And if they could just win one one of these next three games, I feel like at ten and seven they're going to get in, in. They're going to get one of those wild card spots and get into the playoffs. But obviously, they're not. The Patriots aren't thinking of that right now. They're thinking about you know winning this division and may, and and maybe even getting the number one seed. That's what that's the way they're thinking right now. But as as we said, they got to win uh, one out of these three games. I think they're going to make the playoffs, but. The, the, but these are these are these are tough games. These, these are not going to be really really tough games. To me, I still think the Bills are the best team in the AFC East. But the AFC East is obviously going to be decided this month because these teams are really close together. I still think the Bills are the best team, but we'll we'll see what happens. Which we'll see what happens in the next couple months between these two teams. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the Bills are the best team if they go back to what they were doing before the bye. Like when they you know went on the road and beat Kansas City by twenty. Like if I see that team Monday night. They're the best team in the AFC, but I have not seen that team in a while. So, for right now, I, I'm not even trying to be a homer. I Right now, I do think the Patriots are the best team in the AFC. The KC's right there, the way they've been playing. If KC has another good showing Sunday night and they look better than the Patriots, I'll take Kansas City. But right now, I, I the way the Patriots are playing, I thought Sunday, too, against the run. Like, I thought Bill kind of was – he let you know, he was going to let the Titans – if the Titans wanted to run on him all day, he was going to let them. He just he did they, not want to make – what do they what do they play? They play a lot of you know. They had a lot of probably six guys in the box, three safeties. That was that what they played more of. Yeah, that kind of run the ball. Yeah, yeah. He kind of he was gonna he was gonna let the Titans kind of be able to run all over him. He, he he wasn't afraid of getting beat by the run game. He was more he was kind of he kind of went okay you know. So he kind of sat back and said, "All right, Ryan Tannehill, beat us, beat us," and you know. Get what like ninety yards? He did not have a lot. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he was terrible. He was absolutely terrible. Yeah. And I think that's going to be the same. Ga- that's that, that's going to be the same game plan this week because obviously the strength of the Bills is going to be their pet their passing game with Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs. So I feel like they're going to be take. They're going to double Stephon Diggs. They're going to eliminate Stephon Diggs. They're going to force. He's going to force. He's going to force either the run game to beat him with Devin Singletary, which the run game has really struggled in Buffalo. Really struggled for the Bills over the last couple of weeks. Or there he's going to he's going to have Josh Allen try to beat him with Emmanuel Sanders and, and Cole Beasley. He's not. I don't think Stephon Diggs. I, I, you can almost guarantee Stephon Diggs is not going to have over 100 yards in this game. No, I don't think he will either. You know, Jackson's been good. Um, he probably will throw McCourty as that second guy on him. And then, like, he did, you know, Kyle Duggar, he's having a great sophomore season right now. I've been really impressed with him. I think he had another pick last week as well, or two weeks ago. Yeah, I won't. So, like, yeah, like, I, you know, Duggar's been well. 
you know, like, it, yeah, the corners are playing a lot better. So, yeah, I, I think they kind of shut down Diggs and they kind of try to let, um, you know, they, they try to let one of his other receivers, be, Emmanuel Sanders, yeah, Beasley, you know, Gabriel Davis, somebody like that that's going to have to beat him in this game because, yeah, he's not he's going to make sure Diggs does not take over this game. Like, they used, they used him against the Jets. Um, he, he abused them. So, I don't think that's going to happen this week on Monday night. Yeah it, should, it should, yeah, it should be a really interesting game between these two teams. And I'll promise to the Pats fans, if they can win this game, I'll, 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 I'll definitely say they're a Super Bowl contender because, you know, they're going on the road. The Bills have a bunch of days off. Even though they don't, the Bills don't have Trey Davies way, they got a bunch of days off. They're at home, you know, in Buffalo. So I, if the Bills if – the, if the Patriots somehow win – if the Patriots win this game – I will definitely have them as Super Bowl contenders. As for now, I still got I still got the Bills, I still got the Ravens, I still got the Chiefs, I still got those three teams, and even the Titans with Derrick Henry. I still have those teams ahead of the Patriots right now. But if they win this game, I will have the Patriots as Super Bowl contenders. All right, I'm gonna keep you to that word then. Okay, okay, and, see, and, uh, and, and we say he's got Hector's comment. Are the Patriots really that good, or do they just take advantage? of a week schedule the past five weeks. I think it's a combination of both. I think they're a good team. They're not a great team. And, and yeah, they have, they, they have definitely gotten some breaks over the last couple of weeks. I mean, if you look through their schedule, obviously th- throughout the six game winning streak, they beat the jets. The jets are, 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 are a terrible team. Yeah. Chargers. That was a good win. That was a good win. They, uh, that was a, that was a good win against the chargers. Uh, the, uh, that they beat Carolina, they beat the Pan- the Carolina that uh, the, uh, Carolina has been struggling over the last couple of weeks. The Browns. Yeah. Yes, they won big, but, but 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 the, Mac Jones played really well. But the Browns did not have Nick Chubb. The uh, the Falcons. I think the Falcons are a below average team. I know they're in the they're in the race for the seventh seed in the NFC, but I feel like they're a below average team. And then last week, the two more the two most impressive wins were obviously the Titans and the Browns. But those two really impressive wins. I mean, the Chargers Chargers is up there too. But in those two of those three impressive wins, those teams did not have their best players. So I think it's a combination of both. That's what I would say. Yeah, I think it is, you know, but like in most of the games, it was, you know, pretty much beside the target because that was the close one. But like, you know, the other four or the other five, they've really blown everybody out. Like the Titans, that thing wasn't really a game. And the Pagers stunk in the red zone. Like the, the Pagers could have, you know, I think they kicked, what, four or five field, four field goals. Like they could have put up 50. They could have played a little bit better in the red zone. Yeah, the Falcons stink, but it's like Cleveland, yeah, Baker's all banged up. You know, I know they didn't have much. You know, they had the De- Ernest Johnson in the backfield. But after that first drive, they had, you know, like the Cleveland didn't do anything. And Cleveland's defense, I know it's so hit or miss Cleveland's defense, but Mac Jones torched them. You know, they did whatever they want. Like, they're, you know, like most of the games that they played, I know they told me like, yeah, Titans didn't have their best player. The Browns didn't. The Panthers didn't. But, like, they've dominated in those games. Like, it really, like, you know, it's not like they're – keeping teams close like it's 21 to 20 like it's you know they're, they're they're blowing teams out by a few scores and it's really you know making sure it's time close yeah yeah i mean they they have i just i would say uh well prepare for the next 15 years for them to be super Bowl again we'll see we'll see Xander. We, we will see we will see and i mean i think you're you're I, I think they're on the right track to being super bowl contenders they really they haven't completely proven it yet but if they win next week like i promised to the audience I will admit they are Super Bowl contenders if they win next week. Yeah, yeah, wait. We're getting close. I, I'm getting there. I I think we are now. And uh, Mac Jones today filed a uh, trademark today, MJ10 for uh, some new gear. Just another. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. Another yeah. another quarterback marketing themselves. You know, we, we know about – they know about that in New England with TB12. Oh, yeah. 
Oh, yeah. So, again, very excited right now. Looks like he's going to win Rookie of the Year, too. The moment. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 for, for me. He's definitely. I mean, I think a couple of weeks ago it was definitely Jamar Chase, but he's definitely creeped up. He's definitely gotten close. He's definitely gotten closer to to, to, to to Jamar Chase in the last couple of weeks. I think a lot of people have him as the favorite. I still have it. I still have him and Jamar Chase neck and neck right now. Yeah, Jamar Chase has been great too so far. Yeah, I know the last few weeks, but look, yeah, I think the page won the division, and they're like a one-two seed. I, I think it's he's going to edge them out because of where the Patriots kind of sit going the playoffs. Um, I see Xander's kind of, what would it take for Here's Dallas what to get the back Cowboys in? Cowboys have to do to get back into Super Bowl contention. They have, they, they, they need a, they need a new head coach. I don't think Mike McCarthy's the right coach. 28 penalties is absolutely inexcusable, inexcusable. They got the roster, but I think they need a better head coach because they clearly, out of those four teams, they clearly, ha- yeah, I know Cooper and Lamb are coming back. I get it. But you lost to a Raiders team that was playing terribly. They came into your building. I don't care who was hurt. They came into your building and they beat you. Uh, so uh, I, I think that, to be honest, they need a new head coach. But the problem is, if they go, you know, what, what I think what I think they're going to do is probably go, you know, eleven and six. Right? They'll probably finish eleven and six, win the NFC East, maybe win a playoff game against the Rams. But if they and lose in the second round. But the thing is, is they'll they'll bring the same thing back next year. So what the Cowboys need to be Super Bowl contenders, they need a new coach and they need a new GM. But the problem is, is they won't be able to hire that. that I mean, the, the problem is with Jerry Jones, he's never going to get a really good coach to come to Dallas because they really haven't had a really good coach since 2006, Bill Parcells. So they, go get – yeah, that's what they have to do. But the problem is Sean Payne ain't taking that job. Sean Payne ain't taking that job because he ain't working with Jerry Jones. So th- that ain't happening. So uh, I know I know it's not good in New Orleans, but I think, feel like Sean Payton trusts his, trusts his general manager to rebuild that team in New Orleans. So – yeah, I think what the Cowboys got to do to be back to be Super Bowl contenders is they need a new head coach, a new GM, or their ceiling will be the divisional round of the playoffs. Yeah, and that's been the problem with the Cowboys the last, you know, besides when they had kind of Parcells, but yeah, they have not been back to NFC Championship game Super Bowl in you know, 20, over 25 years. Yeah, it's, you know, they definitely have the roster. It's, it's yeah, it's like the, it's upstairs. It's with Jerry Jones is the main part because they have the roster. The defense has gotten better. Dan Quinn's done a good job with the defense. I know last week they were horrible, but, you know, for the most part this year, the defense has been better than a lot of people thought it was going to be. You know, yeah, like right now they're probably trending probably 11-6. Like I don't – right now the way they're playing, I don't think they beat Arizona. But, yeah, they have the roster. It's, can they get the coach? Dak Prescott's been playing well. You know, like offensively they're great. You know, they have one of the best offense in the, in the league. But it, it's – yeah, it's it's coaching and it's it shows why McCarthy only won one ring with – Aaron Rodgers, yeah, and a yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, winning one ring with Aaron Rodgers—that's just that—that's just flat. It's almost impossible to do. To win one ring with Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is a top. You see the way he's playing this year. He's a top five quarterback of all time. It shows you the reason they won one ring was because of Mike McCarthy. Yeah, absolutely. Their their roster really was pretty good. This whole tenure there, like until like the final year, you know, and I what they go like six and ten that year, something like that, seven to nine, something like that. Is their final Mike McCarthy's final year in Green Bay? So, like, yeah, it, it kind of shows that McCarthy's not the greatest coach, and I, that, that's a problem. But, yeah, you're, you can't get a good coach to come in, into Dallas with Jerry Jones kind of telling you what to do the whole time. It just does not work, you know. That will work in baseball, yeah, you know, but yeah, exactly, not in football. Yeah. No, no. I mean, it's either retreads like Wade Phillips and Mike McCarthy or puppets like Jason Garrett. That's what they hire, and that's why this team has a ce- – they have a ceiling. Uh, unlike the other four teams that are ahead of them in the NFC, they have a ceiling, and that and that and that's then that's the problem in Dallas. 
Yeah, absolutely. And it yeah, won't get fixed really until they get a new head coach. And it's too bad because the talent they have, it it's going to be hard to pay all those guys on offense. So you'd hope sooner rather than later they figure it out because yeah, it's going to be tough to keep all these guys. So, but that's, I, I don't see Dallas. I don't see Jerry Jones getting out of the way anytime soon. No, no, not at all. But we got to get to my team, and uh, my, my team is going to have Daniel Jones out this week as they head down to South Beach to face the Miami Dolphins. And the Dolphins are playing really, really, really well. The Dolphins are playing really well. Mike Lennon gets to start this week. I don't. I wouldn't rule out the fact the Giants can win this week because I think the Giants' defense can contain definitely contain the Dolphins' offense. I wouldn't be surprised at that. The problem is I just don't feel like the Giants are going to score enough points. And this Dolphins' defense has played better during the winning streak. I mean, they haven't given up more than 17 points in a game during this winning streak, their defense has, pl- has started to start. I mean, their defense was, wasn't playing well before the winning streak, but their defense has started to play really well uh, before this winning streak. And I think obviously this will be a really, really close, close competitive game. I think it's going to be a close competitive game, but I feel like I'm going to go with the team with the better quarter. I was going to take the Giants and they had Daniel Jones, but I'm going to go with the team with the better quarterback. I feel like the Dolphins contain Saquon. I think they force a turnover or two for Mike Lennon. And I feel like Tua manages the game. And that's all he's got to do when he face, goes up against Mike Lennon in this Giants offense, just manage the game. And that's why I got the Dolphins winning their fifth in a row. I got the Dolphins going to six and seven. I got them beating the Giants 23 to 17. But Justin, can the Giants defense carry them to their second straight win? They're going to have to with Mike Lennon, who, it's a serviceable, serviceable backup quarterback. You know, last week, yeah, they forced some turnovers. I know probably got kind of lucky a couple of them. Um, but, like, I, you know, last week the way they played, I, I guess we, when we talked about it, I guess part of it, too, was kind of the Eagles just flat out didn't really have a gig. Good game plan whatsoever. In oh, that they, game. The, yeah, the Eagles were the Eagles were terrible. Drop it. They did every they did everything they could to lose that game, and they did. Yeah, <laughs> they because they, they had many chances to win that game. They handed they they handed the giant. That was their um, payback for what for what happened week seventeen last year. Like here we pretty much kinda, yeah, yeah 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 yeah. That that was their payback for what they you know that that was their apology. So. You know, I, against a Tua team that, again, they're still not great running the football. Tua's been managing the game very well. He hasn't really turned the ball over much at all these last few weeks. That's what the Giants are going to have to force a couple of turnovers. They're going to have to shut down the running game and make Tua beat you through the air. I just don't think the Giants will be able to score enough points for the Dolphins. They're going to have to be kind of in a hurry-up mode where they're going to be down two scores, you know, in the third, fourth quarter where – you're going to have to speed up Tua here. Like, I think the Dolphins will be able to play their game of kind of run the football – you know, Tua just being short passes, getting it out. You know, he's been very efficient. Um, Jalen Waddle starting to get going. He had nine catches last week. I think he had eight, two, you know, a week or two ago. Like, you know, they're starting to get Jalen Waddle very involved. So I got the Dolphins win this game 20 to 16. Yeah, it should, should be interesting. It should be an interesting game. I just, I mean, I don't think the Giants, I don't think it's an impossible game for the Giants, but it definitely got more difficult now that Daniel Jones is out. But we got to get to our best bets this week, and uh, we'll start with, I'll start with mine. And uh, I got the Ravens minus four against the Steelers. I think the Steelers have a bunch of issues right now. TJ Watt's not going to play. Uh, Chase Claypool's been shut down by, my, by Mike Tomlin. Uh, I think the Steelers got a bunch of issues in this game. I do think the Ravens have their issues offensively as well, but they don't have as many issues as the Steelers right now. And obviously they, they have the much better quarterback. So that's why I get the Ravens minus four against, against, against the Steelers. Second one, 
Uh, Colts minus nine against the Texans. I think the Colts come back this week and have a big week against Houston. I think Jonathan Taylor's a big week on the ground. I think Carson Wentz has a good game too. And, and the Texans are absolutely terrible. They blew a 14-3 lead against the Jets last week. The Texans are obviously one of the worst teams in football. That's why I got them. I got the Colts minus nine against the Texans. And I got Washington uh, uh, plus two and a half against the Raiders. The Raiders have trouble stopping the run. Washington's kind of find a formula to win, stop the run, uh, run the ball. That's That's been the way Washington has, has – has, uh, what's what Washington's done during their winning streak, especially the last two weeks against the Panthers and the Seahawks. I, I, I picked against them all three of those weeks, too, against the Bucks, Panthers, and Seahawks. And I'm not going to make the same mistake this week. I think Antonio Gibson has a big week on the ground. I think Washington wins a close – I think you, you, the Raiders might win a close one, but I think Washington definitely covers. And I think they went out right, too, over the Raiders. Justin, your best bets. Mine this week, I, I'll start the uh, Cincinnati Bengals this week, minus three at home. Um, going against the Chargers, I don't really get what Chargers team's going to show up. I'll take Zach Taylor, even though, yeah, he's not that we've mentioned lots this year, lots of years. He's not the greatest coach in the world, but the way they're running the football with Joe Mixon, I don't see how the Chargers stop him. Or in the you know, last two weeks, he's last week he had 165 rushing yards, week before, 123 yards rushing yards, and he's had a pair of touchdowns the last uh, two weeks. So I didn't think he just never brought the field. I think the Bengals find a way to keep winning. And, Key pace there with the uh, Baltimore Ravens. I'll go Sunday night. I'll take Teddy Bridgewater on the road on Sunday night. Teddy Bridgewater at the road underdog. He's like twenty four as a against the spread. I'll take him. Not winning games, but against the spread. No, no, I don't think they're winning this game. But I think yeah. Denver's defense has found a good point. I thought their secondary played very well last week against Herbert. I think they run the football well enough in this game to keep Patrick Mahomes off the field enough. I think KC may have gotten the bye at the wrong time. Could there be some rust coming back this week? Like they were playing well before it. Maybe there's a little bit of rust from Kansas City. I think, you know, the way Denver kind of plays, I think they keep it close. It's a divisional game. It's a big game for Denver if they want to kind of keep pace here in the AFC West, even the wild card. I'll take Denver. They're not going to win the game, but I'll take them to keep it in close. And then I got my Patriots. Of I usually don't like to really pick the Patriots. You know, I'm, I'm afraid of, like, jinxing them, but I feel confident. Like, I, I feel really confident about this game Monday night. I really like the way Jones has been playing. I think he plays well again. I think, they're, I, think the, I think the running game keeps Josh down off the field. I don't think the Bills get much going against, against the Patriots um, on the ground on Monday night. And I think they keep Josh down off the field. I think they force a couple of turnovers. Again, if the Patriots can just convert in the red zone, that's going to be huge. If they cannot revert, convert in the red zone, then I think they're in trouble. But if they do, I, I definitely see the Patriots win this game. We got a comment from Jared. I agree, Broncos. Keep it close. I disagree with you and Justin. I feel I, I feel like the, this will be the week. Andy Reid is so good off bye weeks. Andy Reid is so good off bye weeks. I think Patrick Mahomes has a big week this week. I, I do. And I think Chris Jones is starting to play a factor on this on this Chiefs defense. Chris Jones was great in the game against Dallas. I think he's going to be good again in the game against the, against the, against the Broncos and get pressure on Bridgewater and force Bridgewater to make mistakes. Bridgewater is not the – Bridgewater, if you're winning the game, he's fine. You, you, you don't mind him being your quarterback when you're winning the game. The problem is when you're losing the game – it's a it's a it's a major issue to have Teddy Bridgewater. The Bron- the Broncos have only had two com- out of their six wins. Two of them have been come from behind victories, and really the, the really those games. The, the it was the first two games of the year. The Giant game where they were down seven to three, and the and the Jags game where they were down seven nothing. So they were not down by more than two scores. So Teddy Bridgewater is the kind of quarterback that uh, you don't you want to if you're if you're if you're down big big in the game you don't want him being the quarterback if you're winning the game you won't make mistakes it's great that's the thing about teddy bridgewater you you want him when you're winning the game you don't want him when you're losing the game yeah, he's, the, the, he's the real definition of a game manager 
But yeah, like at read as you mentioned, read off a of buy is like nineteen and three. So that does worry me. That that does. I just think it kill it. This bye week comes at a wrong time because Casey was just gelling offensively. I thought them. I like. I thought Vic Vandu had a great plan to run the football. Like I think the Broncos can get out to a lead in this game if, if you know they they run the football early early enough. They you know, they score early. I think they keep this thing this thing close. Yeah, Casey's defense, Trish Jones, Frank Clark are really starting to. Even even the Chiefs secondary is starting to play a lot better. Like I, I do think, and that's why I'm just worried that coming off a bye, like they they, I think they just got it at the wrong time, and I think there could be some rust early on. I think you know the Chiefs probably get it going, and that's why I think they, they you know I think they score some points this game. But I think early on, and I think early they, it's long enough for the Broncos and Chetty Bridgewater to make enough plays just to keep this thing close. And uh, Jerry Cowan, this game is. Jerry Cowan said, "This game is big when it comes to the Pats proving they're for real." And I said exactly. So I said that, that's absolutely what I. That's exactly what I said. If they win, I said it. If they win this game on Monday night in Buffalo, I got them as Super Bowl contenders. If they win this game in Buffalo on Monday night, it definitely. It's absolutely. That's a great comment by Jared. It absolutely will prove if they're for real or not. Yeah, absolutely. You know, they they'd be uh, nine and four, pretty much. You know, have a game in hand on Buffalo with one more at Foxborough. And the funny thing is, is, if they win this game, the Patriots, they they do have that game in hand. The game with the game the Bills play when they have a bye week is against Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. So you could argue they might even they, they pretty much would have a two game lead if they win this game on Monday night. Wow, I forgot. Yeah, they do play the Bills. So yeah, that this would really be huge for to get that division because yeah, you get the Colts and the Bills, and then Miami is going to be tough. They they never play well in Miami, and then Jacksonville. You know, I I'm scared for Trevor Lawrence that day. Um, so yeah, like they they. You know, yeah, they, they'll have two games in hand. So, yeah, you, you got to feel very good if you're a Patriot fan, especially they're right there. So, with the Ravens, um, you know, they, they're only a game back of the Ravens for that one seed. So, yeah, this, this is definitely a huge game for, for the Patriots to kind of show they, they are for real. And I think their defense is, I think, again, like Bill Bill's teams, they just can, they just steadily improve week in and week out. And you've really seen it this year. And I think it continues Monday. Yeah, we'll see what happens in that game. That should be an interesting game. But we got to get to the slate of games this week, and we'll start with a big game in Cincinnati as Justin Herbert goes up against Joe Burrow. They they didn't they played last year, but they didn't go up against each other. Tyrod Taylor started that game in Week One, so we got Joe Burrow against against Justin Herbert in this game, and I, and this is going to be a close competitive game. And I'm going to go with the team because of where the game is in, in Cincinnati. It's going to be uh, it's going to be a little bit cold. I'm going to go with the team that runs the ball better, and we know the Chargers have. Are terrible stop or a terrible team stopping the run. So I think Joe Mixon has a big game on the ground. I think Joe Burrow has a good game through the air too. I do think Justin Herbert makes his plays, getting the ball to Keenan Allen and uh, Mike Williams. But I just don't think he makes. I think he makes maybe throws that bad interception like he throws every game, just like he did last week in the end zone. He also would pick to Patrick Sertan too. But you know, I think he throws a bad interception, which makes a difference in this game. I'll take the quarterback that makes less mistakes, and take, and I'll take the home team. I got the Bengals beating the Chargers, thirty-one twenty-four. But Justin. Can Justin Herbert keep up with Joe Burrow to pull the upset? Didn't be tough, you know. The way you know, you saw last week, you know, a couple of turnovers. Um, they just can't stop the run. Like they, you know, Chargers. It's tough for them to just, you know, their offense really stay on the field. I had the Bengals 27-21. Um, I think yeah, Herbert probably makes that interception too. I just, I think you know, the like the Bengals just, I think they control the time of possession. Like I just don't think they're even stop the run, and I think that's really the big problem. You know, I just don't think Justin Herbert to me in the field long enough to kind of keep up with Joe Burrow. Yeah, I think they're going to make some big plays. To you know, Mike Williams, um, Keenan Allen. I, like I think they'll have success. You know, on offense, I just don't think it's enough to keep up with Cincinnati. 
just because they just, as I mentioned, they can't, they can't stop the running game. So I gotta, I gotta take the Bengals at home on a Sunday. We got the Cardinals traveling to Chicago to face the Bears. And in my opinion, I think if Kyler Murray plays, the Cardinals should win this game, should win this game big. I think they'll be able to run the football in this Bears defense. I think Kyler Murray will have a good game. And I think, I think with, with Marcus Golden and, uh, and 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 their pass rush. I think they I think they get a lot of pressure on uh I think and Marcus Golden and Chandler Jones. I think they get a lot of pressure on Justin Fields. I think they force a turnover or two from Justin Fields. I got the Cardinals winning this game big. The Bears were lucky to win that game on Thanksgiving. The Lions pretty much handed them that game. They're coming. I mean, what the, what the heck was the Lions coaching staff doing? Calling two consecutive timeouts. Not even to give Jared Goff a chance. You, you know part of part of this. Yeah, Jared Goff. That roster is terrible. But part of the fact the Lions don't have a win is because their coaching staff is terrible. That coaching staff is awful. If they don't win a game, I feel like that coaching staff should be fired in one year. That coaching staff is absolutely terrible. It's, it's almost as bad as Patricia, which is not saying much at all. Patricia's an absolutely pathetic NFL head coach. Uh, so I, I, I think this is a game where the uh, the Cardinals win. I think the Cardinals win it. I think they I think they win it by a couple of scores. But for some reason, Justin, you feel like the Bears are going to give the Cardinals a game, even if Kyler Murray is, – is, is this because – are you assuming Kyler Murray might not play on Sunday? Yeah, I'm assuming he may not play. I just – I don't – you know – because I, I really haven't heard anything much on his status. And I think with how cold it is, I, I could see the Bears being able to run the football. I know they, they, that's a Cardinals weakness. I know they're, they're ranked 17th. I could see David Montgomery having a nice day on the ground. Yeah, I, I, Justin Fields is probably not going to have any time to throw the ball in this game. They're going to have to do it all in their own game. So, yeah, if the, if the Bears get down a score early on, and Colt McCoy played well. Boy, he had over 40 yards against Seattle a few weeks ago. Like, Colt McCoy played well. Um but, like, it's going to be cold in Chicago. It's going to be windy. I see the Bears trying to keep this this thing close in this game. Um, I think they can run the ball well enough to kind of stay in it. I don't think they win this game. But um, I don't know. You heard, too, the Illinois fighting line night basketball game Monday night. They were chanting fire Matt Nagy. So it's starting to spread across the state of Illinois. <laughs> Oh yeah, I mean, it shouldn't have happened at a Suns high school football game. That was terrible, but it happened at a Suns yeah, high school football bad. game. Was, it's happened at Bulls weird. games. Yeah, I mean, I mean yeah, it's happened, pretty much happened everywhere. It's pretty much inevitable that Matt Nagy is going to get fired. I mean, it's yeah. it's definitely going to happen. It's just it's just a matter of if, mm-hmm. a matter of, of when than if he's going to get fired. It's pretty much yeah. it's pretty much just a matter of when he's going to get fired than if he's going to get fired. It's just yeah, it, it's it, it looks like the Bears are going to move on from Nat Nagy. But we're going to move on to another game, and we got an AFC uh, South matchup in Houston as the Colts are trying to rebound off a tough loss to the Bucks last week. They the perfect team to play coming off a tough loss. They're going down south to, to face the Texans, and I understand it's a division game. And I know the Colts won big, but the Houston Texans are absolutely terrible. That roster is absolutely pathetic, and I feel like Jonathan Taylor is going to have a huge day on the ground. Wentz is going to have a huge day through the air. The defense is going to have a good game. I got the Colts winning this game big, 31-10, to 10, and Justin, I assume you got the same. Yeah, I got twenty-seven to thirteen uh, Colts. Like I, I, like I don't even think they're gonna need once. Like I think once is probably only gonna need about ninety passing yards in this game. I think Taylor's gonna try to continue his pursuit here for MVP. I think he's gonna have like a hundred. I think he's gonna have over one hundred fifty yards this week easily. This game, the first time around, was thirty-one to three. I, you know, I think Tyrod Taylor, Tyrod Taylor, definitely better quarterback. Davis Mills. So I think they get a couple drives going, but not not enough. I think Colts run all over the Texans once again this week. NFC South matchup down in Atlanta as the Bucks take on the Falcons. And I think this game is a complete blowout. I think that Brady has a huge day. Fournette has a good day on the ground. I think it's a total blow. I think, and I think they get pressure on Matt Ryan. As you've seen the Falcons against good, they've beaten a lot of the bad teams in the league this year. I mean, they beat, they beat, they beat the Giants. They beat the Jets. 
They beat they beat they did they beat Miami when they were banged up. They 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 beat I'm not sure who else they uh, they beat uh, the the Jags yeah. last week. So they beat a lot of yeah. I mentioned the Jets. They beat, they've just okay. the point is they've beaten a lot of a lot of bad. They've been a lot of bad teams. The Falcons just because they probably had they've had the better quarterback in those games. Matt Ryan is still a pretty good quarterback, but that roster just isn't any good. And I feel like yeah, the first game they. They kind of stayed in the game against them in Tampa. I feel like that's not going to happen here. I think this is going to be a blowout. I got the Bucks going to nine and three, beating the Falcons, uh, thirty-one to thirteen. But Justin, can Matt Ryan keep up with Tom Brady to keep the Falcons in playoff contention? I think this game's close. I hit thirty-one to twenty-four. That first time around, it was close. It was just the Falcon, the Matt Ryan threw the two pick sixes. But like the Bucks have not played well in the road all year. I don't know if that's changing this week. I yeah, but they got they got a huge win last week against Indianapolis. They beat a good team last week in Indy, a team that was playing really well. They did. They still gave up thirty. I know the de- defense wasn't great. The offense played really well. I still I'm not really sold yet on the defense. So I think the Falcons could move the move the ball through the air again, once again against them. You know they they only ran the ball I think like seven times last time for like eleven yards. Like I think they they used Cordell Patterson a lot in the passing game. You know hopefully they get. You know, Kyle Pitts involved. I, you know, like I think the Falcons keep this. I think Matt Ryan is going to um, the ball well. They, you know, I know their protection hasn't been great the last few weeks. The first time around, he only got sacked once. I, you know, the, they did protect him pretty good the first time around. I think Matt Ryan keeps him the game with, with his arm. You know, I definitely don't see them winning this game, but a divisional game. I, I'll take the Falcons to kind of keep this thing interesting on Sunday. The Eagles head back up the turnpike. They're back at MetLife Stadium for the second week in a row. This week they face the Jets. And I, I the, the problem for the Eagles going into this game is going to be, I don't know if they're going to have Miles Sanders. I don't know if they're going to have Jordan Howard. So their running game might not be as good. But the good the, the good news for the Eagles is they are playing the Jets. And I think that they force a turnover or two from from, uh, from Zach Wilson. I think that uh, I think that, that, that Jalen Hurts will get enough yards on the ground. I'll take the quarterback who's going to take less mistakes in this game. And I'll take the team that's in the playoff race. I got the Eagles – uh, rebounding at the Meadowlands this week, beating the Jets 20-13. But, Justin, can Zach Wilson make enough – uh, can Zach Wilson manage the game for the, Jets to, for the Jets to win their second straight? I can't see it. I have the Eagles 24-16. to 16. Um, The only game he has not done a turnover was the Patriot game where he left in the second quarter. You know, he's been – he's made him, you know, four touchdowns, a ten, 10 interceptions. It's just not good, and – I don't know how that's going to change this week. I don't expect them to have a lot of chances because I think the Eagles just control the clock this whole game. And I think, you know, he's going to have to play from behind. He just he can't throw a short ball. He just he just has he doesn't know how to put touch on it, don't touch on his passes. And that's a big problem. And I don't see them correcting that this week. I think that's something that has to be corrected probably in the offseason. You know, I don't know how well they correct that. They maybe with some Continuous reps, maybe, but throughout the year. But I don't, I don't see the, the I don't see him making enough plays in this game. Um, I, I see the Eagles probably making an interception or two in this game. I don't know till he can show me he can correct the football. I don't. He's not gonna. You know, I don't have any confidence he's gonna be able to do it. So I'll take the Eagles to win this game and bounce back. 
We got an NFC North matchup in Detroit as the Vikings uh, play the Lions. And when these teams met earlier in the season, it was a really good game. Vikings went on a game-winning field goal. And I think this is going to be another close competitive game again. I think these teams go back and forth up and down the field. I think Goff has a good week. I think Kirk Cousins has a good week. I think Madison Cook, I think Cook's, Cook's, Cook's probably not going to play. So I think Alexander Madison has a good week. I think this game comes right down to the end, but the Lions will do what they always do, lose another close game. And I got the Vikings winning 27-24 over the over the Lions and uh, Justin, do with ten days off. Do you feel like the Lions get their first win and really really hurt the Vikings playoff hopes? I don't see it. Now, uh, see Xander's comments. He see he thinks you're getting the win though. Lions getting the dub. I wouldn't be surprised. This is one of the games I would not I be surprised if the Lions win because they were close to beating the Vikings the last time. And I feel like uh, I, I feel like this will be a game where Jared Goff has a has a good game and I feel like this game's up and down the field. I think this game's going to be competitive. But the Lions have proved so many times this year that they just don't know how to win. They lose these close games. Part of it is their roster is terrible, but part but the other part of it is their coaching staff is absolutely terrible. Mm-hmm. Their coaching staff, if they if they don't win more, if even if they win one game, if they win one or if they, if they don't win a game or win one game, this coaching staff should be fired. It was inexcusable what they did on Thanksgiving calling back-to-back timeouts. That you cannot do that and you costed your quarterback a chance to win the game. So that's so it's it's, it's absolutely the Lions coaching staff is absolutely terrible. So I think they'll find like they always do, find a way to lose at the end. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Um, I, again, like Anthony Lynn is offensive coordinator. Like I never understood that one. It's like, I think you, you need some help there. We're trying to find somebody who can knows how to clock management there. Anthony Lynn's not the guy to do that. So, cause I, then I think they took the play calling dudes away from him. Like I think Dan Campbell's not calling the plays offensively. Like, you know, uh, it's not been great, but yeah, I did. This is like one of the last chances. They saw the Falcons on, on the road. That's probably their last opportunity. They don't win this week. And it, Going to be 0-16-1 for, for the Lions, more than likely. Yeah, I think Goff played well in this game. Um, you know, I think because, yeah, the Viking defense is not great. They should be able to put up some points. But, like, Kirk Cousins should be getting some MVP conversation. 23 touchdowns, three INTs. I know their record's not great, but uh, uh, he's uh, really uh, well. Uh, 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 uh. Yeah, he's, he's played, played well. well, but come on. He has one of the best running backs in football. He's got one of the best right. receivers in football. Probably has one of the best number two. He probably has – Aaron Thiel might be one of the best number two receivers in the game. I, no, no, no. I Kirk Cousins, MVP, he lost to a Dallas team with Cooper Rush. Come on now. Cooper. I mean, yeah, Kirk Cousins had a, I, a pretty good year, but MVP, come on now. He should be in a somewhat of the conversation. Like, there's uh, not no. a clear cut right zero, now. Zero, zero conversation Kirk Cousins being an MVP. He's five and six. Come on. Yes, that, the record's six. bad. I don't care, now, I don't I care put about the stats. He's five Dallas and six. the coaching huh? staff. That, that I put the Dallas game on the coaching staff. That that the way they coached that game, Minnesota was horrific, and that they thought Dak Prescott was actually going to play that day when it sounded like on like Tuesday he was out. I, I you know, I know the defense bigger. I know the record's not good, but it's like in a year where there's not really a clear cut guy. I. There's not a clear-cut guy, but I am. there's no way I am giving the MVP to Kirk Cousins. No way I'm giving it to Kirk Cousins. And uh, uh, 23, uh, if they finish like 11-6 and six here. Okay. And, uh, I, I don't, I, no, I wouldn't even do – I, I, I consider no. him being like a, a pretty good quarterback they finish 11-6, but I, I, there's just, I just can't give the MVP to Kirk Cousins. I can't do it. No, and I hear you because I know he's not been good in a big game. He really has not been stepped up in big games. But so far, if they can finally close out here, I know it doesn't really matter what they do in the playoffs for his MVP conversation, but I don't mind him getting a little bit there. I know he's way down on the odds list, but, like, it's he's very quietly having a really nice year. 
But, you know, I know their offense is stacked, but... Yeah, I mean, if you take Justin Jefferson and you take Dalvin Cook away from him, he's probably not... He's he's pretty much like Ryan Tannehill. It's like taking A.J. Brown and Derrick Henry from Ryan Tannehill. He's not any good. He's not... He's not... He's not on that, you know, top 10 level. He's on that... He's not... He's not... He's not... not, Definitely not in the top tier. He's not in the second tier. He's he's not... He's not in the Brady Mahomes... uh, he's, He's not in the Brady... Brady Mahomes tier. He's not. He's not in that tier. He's not in like the the Dak Prescott. He's not in that. He's not in that tier. He's in that like third tier with like you know Ryan Tannehill and maybe Derek Carr. He's 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 in that tier. So I would never consider him for an MVP. I just think the reason his stats are so good is because he has really good weapons around him. But we'll see what happens the next couple of weeks without Dalvin Cook. If he can step up, maybe I'll consider your point. Okay, because they do well. Steelers next week on they, but like the Steelers defense is pretty much. Just, Obliterated right now. The Bears on the road tough, but then they have the Rams and then at Green Bay. He goes on the road to beat Green Bay, and that means only for a division. Impossible. I I don't know. I just say like, you know. We'll, 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 I guess we'll see, but I wouldn't. I don't mind him getting a little bit of the conversation right now, just because I haven't seen it. But um, yeah, I had the Vikings offense should be able to win this game, and then I Patrick's comment lines could be the first team ever to go winless twice in NFL history. Yeah, and that just shows you how pathetic their organization is. I mean, if you if you do it yeah. twice, that just shows you how pathetic that organization they, is. Yeah. I mean, and I think this talking. is like the fifth time since like since like their corporation, what like nineteen forty two that it's like been five times that it's like the, this is the fifth time they have not won a game to like their first 11, 12 games in the year. Like that, like yeah, it's just sad. Yeah, it, it, it's it's awful. It's it's terrible, and it shows you why that organization is pathetic. But we got to get to the four o'clock games, and, and we got a matchup in Pittsburgh between the Ravens and the Steelers. Divisional matchup. The Steelers are a mess right now. They're not going to be without. They're going to be without Chase Claypool. Obviously, they'll be without T.J. Watt. I think the Ravens defense is going to have a really good game against the banged up against the Steelers offense that is that that is not playing well right now. And I think I do think though defensively they won't get embarrassed this week. I do think defensively they'll compete because I don't think Mike Tomlin will get uh, embarrassed two weeks in a row. But at the end of the day, I'm going to go with the team with the better quarterback right now. And I got the Steelers beating the Ravens 19 to 13. But Justin, can the Steelers defense carry them, contain Lamar, and carry them to an upset win? I don't think so. They're all their defense right now. Just I just I I've never seen a Mike Tomlin defense. I never thought I'd see the Steelers back to back weeks just play that horrible defensively. I mean, they were able. You know, the Bengals, even the Chargers, two weeks ago on Sunday Night Football, did whatever they wanted offensively. They really struggled to stop the run, and I, I think Baltimore goes back to their bread and butter this week. It's just running the football. I think they get a lead, and you know, Pitt's not going to be able to come back right now. The way their offense is, you know, losing Claypool hurts. I had the Ravens win this game 27 to 20. I just, I don't, you know, without TJ Watt, you know, who's one of the best pass rushers and one of the best defense players in the entire league. I just don't see how they win this game. It's a divisional game. It's Baltimore. I I expect them to win this. I, you know, I expect Baltimore to win this game. I expect them to win this thing. Baltimore to, I, I expect Pittsburgh to keep this game close, but I don't see how they can win this game. Yeah, that might have been my mistake, Hector. I meant Ravens over Steelers. So I don't know. I'm not sure if I said Steelers over Ravens, but uh, but I I, I I meant Ravens over Steelers, 1913. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I think you actually may have actually. I think you said. Oh, I might have done. I might have done Steelers over. I, I, I meant I meant Ravens over yeah. Steelers. I meant Ravens over Steelers there. That's but we'll go on to another. We'll, yeah, we'll, I said. I thought that's what you meant. You were you talking about it? Like okay. Okay. I thought maybe, maybe gotcha, you just... gotcha. Gotcha. Got it. Got it. Got it. Well, we'll go to another four o'clock game between the 49ers and the Seahawks. And 
the Seahawks offense is a disaster right now. And it's, and I think Pete Carroll has got to be fired. That's what, that's what, that, that's first, that, that first is what has to happen. But Russell Wilson, he's really struggled. He, and he's kind of struggled since the dig off that hot start last year. But in my opinion, I just feel like he's hurt. I feel like the Seahawks rushed him back from that injury. I think that, I think they had to, because if they didn't, they weren't going to make the playoffs. I know they blew out Jacksonville, but they lost two games. They very easily could have won with Geno Smith. So I feel like the Seahawks rushed him back. The 49ers, they got some injuries coming into the game. Fred Warner's not going to play, neither is Debo Samuel. So I do think this is going to be a, a close competitive game. But at the end of the day, I'm going to go with the offense that's playing better. Even without Debo Samuel, I feel like that. The Niners, because they run the ball on everyone, they're going to have success running the ball. I think this is a close competitive game, but I'm going with the Niners to go to 7-5 and five and win 24-17 in Seattle. But, Justin, can Russell Wilson bounce back for the Seahawks to snap their losing streak? I don't see it either. I got the Niners going winning this game 23-17. to 17. I, you know, this defense has played a lot better the last couple of weeks. They're really starting to get it going. And, yeah, Seattle, they, besides the second, you know, besides the two-minute drive, I mean, you know, late in the game to go, you know, uh, try the game the last week, you know, tie the game Monday night late game. You know, the the one the one other drive they scored a touchdown on, they had a 55-yard um, completion to lock it. Like, that was really about it. Like, they didn't, besides that, they got nothing going. It's been, as you mentioned, it's been almost like, Almost a year, really. They, you know, since like the second half of last year, they really started to struggle. And it's still, yeah, I do believe because originally that injury, it was like they were saying like early December that he was supposed to come back. And how today it's December 1st, obviously. So, yeah, I, I don't think he's been a 100% healthy, but they haven't been able to score more than 15 points the last three weeks. And this day in the NFL, very surprising. I There is definitely something wrong. DK Metcalf didn't make his first catch a late. In that game, the fourth quarter last week, like they have not been able to get him involved. There's something definitely going on. I can't t- trust Seattle right now, even at home. I got to go with the Niners 23-17. They're, they're starting to you know play like the better team right now. Got an interesting game in Vegas with with uh, playoff implications for both teams. As the Washington football team has won three in a row, and now it's currently the number seven seed in the NFC, faces the loss, faces the Raiders this week. And I think this is a close competitive game, but I think the formula for Washington is working. I think it's going to work this week. I think they're going to, you know, sh- I think they're going to contain that running game of the Raiders. I think they're going to be able to run the ball. With, I know Miss Kissick got hurt Monday night, but I think they're going to be able to run the ball. With uh, Antonio Gibson, I think they're going to be able to move the ball. I think this is this is a close, competitive game. But I'm going to take the Raiders, and I'm going to take them 24-20. No, 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 27-23. Over, over, I'm going to take the, the Washington football team 27-23 over the Raiders. I just like the way the Washington football team is playing right now. Ron Rivera is, I mean, is 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 definitely the best coach in that division by far, and that's why this Washington football team doesn't have a ton of talent, and they've lost Chase Young, Montez Sweat's not playing, but. They just keep winning. I got Washington winning 27-23 over the Raiders. But can Derek Carr uh, – but, Justin, can Derek Carr stay hot and keep the Raiders in playoff contention? I think he can, but I got – I'm with you. I got Washington 24-21. I just – you know, the Raiders have been so jack on a hide. I don't know what team's going to show up on Sunday. Um, and I kind of have a feeling what Washington's going to show up with. I know it's a short week and they're traveling out west, but, you know, they, they you know Darren Wall is going to be out of this game. You know, so they're down another you – know, um, offensive weapon, you know, one of the best tight ends in the game. You know, they kind of lose another deep threat. So they're going to, you know, Brian um, Edwards is going to have to step up. Zay Jones is going to have to step up. Yeah, I think Washington kind of shuts down their running game. And I think Washington keeps their car off the field long enough. You know, I think Washington secondary has been playing a lot better too since the bye. I think, you know, they're, they're really starting to play better. Ron Rivera, you know, shows why he's one of the best in, in the NFL. Um, 
Because as you mentioned, yeah, they don't have a ton of talent. They lost what young, and you can even you know, and they lost Ryan Fitzpatrick one, who I know he's not great, but it's like he's still probably a better option maybe than Taylor Heineke. I know Taylor Heineke's the point better, but you know, um, but like you know, you even lose like a veteran guy like Fitzpatrick quarterback spot, you know, is big. But um, I, I think Washington right now is playing like the better team. I don't know what rated team shows up, so I think they they shut down Carr in the offense enough here to be able to go on the road and win another one and get to 500. We got a matchup in LA as the Jaguars travel so far stadium and face the Rams. This is the get right week game for the Rams. I think they, they run the ball. They, uh, they, they with, 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 with us, with, with, uh, Henderson and Michelle, I think Stafford finally bounces back and has a big week. I think OBJ gets going this week. I think this is a big win for the Rams. I got them winning 30 to 10. So Justin, do you have the same? Or do you have this a little bit closer than people think? I have it a little bit closer. I can't – I just think there's an issue here of trying to put all this chemistry together in the short time like the Rams have, and it's not working. And I don't think Stafford's healthy at all. So, like – and I know Jags probably should have – Jags didn't look great last week. I thought it was the game they could have easily beat the, the Falcons. I know, the, you know, two weeks ago before that, they got destroyed by the Niners. But I just – I could, you know – I think Jacksonville keeps this thing close. I just don't really I, – I don't really know what I'm going to expect from the Rams right now. You know, I don't think Stafford's – I think they're going to be able to – Lawrence to make some plays against, against – now, if he can have – you know, if they could kind of keep Aaron Donald, you know, under control, it's going to be tough with how bad the line is. But I don't really trust the Rams right now. I, I don't think – I just I just think trying to – add all these guys and all these pieces like this. It just, I think chemistry is so important in the NFL and I, it's just not working. So I, I think the Jacksonville Jaguars play hard this week and keep it close. Last game, we got the Broncos going to the Chiefs on Sunday Night Football. We talked about it a little bit during our best bets. I just think that Mahomes, I think this Chiefs team is starting to play really well. They're starting to play really well when it matters. I think Mahomes has a big week. Kelsey has a big week. I, I, I and, and Tyreek Hill is a big week. I think that the, the Bridgewater gets behind and turns the ball over a couple times. That's why I got Kansas City winning by two scores. But, Justin, you think this game is going to be a little bit closer than people think? Yeah, I got a 28 to 23. Uh, Casey, I think they do win the game. Yeah, Andy Reid's like 19 to 3 off a of bye. He, he's excellent off a of bye. You know, offense looks like they're starting to get in the form for the Chiefs. Like we kind of usually see it, but I think Denver's defense is good enough to kind of hang around this game. I think, I, you know, I thought Pat Shermer called a really good game last week with, you know, kind of run the ball first. You know, Teddy made some plays, you know, when he had to, you know, and I, I just think the running game is able to kind of keep them close and just hang around in, in Kansas city. It's a divisional game. It's a big game for the Broncos. It's obviously a big game for both teams, but a more so for the Broncos here to kind of prove that they kind of belong here in the playoff hunt and trying to keep, keep pace with the chiefs, trying to keep pace in the wild card. I'll take Teddy to keep this game close. He's not going to outdo Patrick Mahomes by no means, but I'll, I'll take him. You know, I think that, I think the Broncos defense could force a mistake or two from Mahomes in this game. And I think the Broncos time to take advantage of that and keep this thing close. Yeah, it should be interesting to have on Sunday night in Kansas City. But it should be it should be a good week 12, 313 as well. But we had a huge, huge week in in baseball. Yeah, obviously the CBA and 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 hot stove hot stove uh, with the hot stove ha- happening too. But we'll talk before we talk about that, we got a problem from Cold Press Media. So Jess, why did you become a realtor? 
I worked in a various customer service jobs, so I wanted something a little bit more rewarding. Um, becoming a real estate agent, being able to help people find their forever homes or their investment homes, starter homes. It's very exciting. So a lot of fun. Now, you've gotten off to a really good start in your real estate career. What has been the most rewarding part of this for you so far? Helping people, especially like first time home buyers, um, finding their first home. They're so excited. Um, I'm so excited to help them. So it's a nice, rewarding part. What is it that you think makes you different than other real estate agents? I think that my various roles in customer service has helped me. So I like to ask a lot of questions and I want to know what I'm doing. So I think that helps a lot because I'm not going to steer people the wrong way. I'm going to make sure they have knowledgeable decisions um, and help them find the right home. Last thing I'm going to ask you is, and I know these are words that you live by, but the mantra at CTBD Realty is people over paychecks do the damn thing. And that's what we do. So a, a busy week in baseball. First, we got the we got the lock or lockout that's probably going to happen. I don't think the the uh, player association and the, and the owners are going to agree. So I think there's going to be a lockout. I, I mean, Jeff Passon said yesterday that he's optimistic this thing will get done before opening day. But as it stands right now, it looks like we're looking at a lockout going into uh, the 2022 season. Yeah, sounds like it. Um, unfortunately, you know, yeah, it, you know. I think it was either passing Rosenthal. Well, one of the baseball writers was like predicting about like two and a half months. So that puts you pretty much right around Valentine's Day, which is pretty much pitchers, catchers, you know, right around their report. Um, we've kind of seen this coming, you know, the last few years, just how to part these guys are. But um, at least it's December. So you hope by April, they kind of figure something out late March. They figure something out by then, Be you know, so hopefully, yeah, they don't, they shouldn't miss any games, but I guess you never know with baseball because they're, they're just – it's a huge mess. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, well, it looks like that they, they will not agree – that the CBA will expire tonight. So we'll, we'll see what happens in the coming weeks there. But we got to talk about the hot stove. And, uh, and how about the Mets? I mean, they signed Max Scherzer that three-year, $130 million deal. They signed Starling Marte. They even got Eduardo Escobar, too. Mets are looking pretty good. Obviously, they didn't end up signing Javier Baez, and they haven't signed Marcus Strollman yet. But the Mets, with these moves, I mean, I think they're the second-best team, obviously the second-best team in the, in the NL East. I don't think they're better than the Braves. I think the Braves, are, if they sign Freddie Freeman, they're going to be a better team off. If they don't sign Freddie Freeman, maybe it's closer. But if they, don't, if they do uh, sign Fred, Freddie Freeman, they won't be as good. They, they'll definitely be better offensively. Eventually, they're going to get Ronald Acuna back, too. So that offense, obviously, with Austin Riley, Ozzie Albies, Dansby Swanson, I think that offense is, 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 is clearly better than the Mets. But obviously, the Mets have a better rotation. But the Braves, I feel like, have the better bullpen. So I still, even with these moves, I still say the defending champion, Atlanta Braves, are the best team in the NL East. But, Justin, are the Mets the best team in the NL East with these moves? No, I'm with you at the Braves, you know. Braves did sign Kirby H yesterday, a nice guy to add that bullpen arm. And then you got, you know, the the Braves got Mike Soroka, too, that should be healthy back for spring training. They should get, you know, Charlie Morton back for opening day as well. Um, yeah, if they don't return Freddie Freeman, the Braves, and I think it's a lot closer. But they get Freddie Freeman back. I, I think the Braves still are the best team in that NL East with that lineup still. Um, yeah, Ronald Cunha Jr. should be ready to go for opening day, so – that lineup, I, I think it's good additions though. Serger, and then if Degrom could stay healthy, that one-two punch, and then 
Starling Marte had 47 tool and bases last year, and Escobar is a decent hitter as well. So I think the Mets made some good moves, you know, but um, I, I still think the Braves are the better team at the moment. Yeah, I mean, obviously you got DeGrom and Scherzer at the top of that rotation, but I got I got to go with the manager, and we know the Braves. I don't even think the Mets hired a manager no. yet. They haven't even hired a manager. And uh, so I got to go with the Braves and they're better in the dugout. And I just think they're the more complete team. But I do think the Mets have a very good chance to get one of the wild card spots. Yeah, absolutely. I think they do. And I think they could be a dangerous team with that Scherzer, DeGrom kind of. And then even if they do resign Stroman, one, two, three right there would be really good. But, um, yeah, you know, I liked what the Mets did. They, you know, they addressed center field, which was a weakness with Marte. You know, let's go ride another good hitter. Yeah, I, I think they should be able to compete. You know, we'll see who they hire as a manager because that's something what the staff he puts together. Um, but like, yeah, I, I think right now the Reeves still are are still a bit better. You know, um, it's a you know we'll we'll see if the Braves bring like a Jorge Soler and a Jack Peterson and kind of some of those guys that were huge in the playoffs. But still, you know, as long as they get Freddie Freeman back, I think you know Braves Braves still should win that division once again. Without without question, without question. I mean, and the thing is, but the thing is for the Mets with Steve Cohen, he's running this like it's a big market team now. He's paying Max Scherzer forty two million a year. They're done with the Wilpons are out. You got you got. I mean, you got uh, Steve Cohen. He's running this like this is a, this is a team that that's a big market team. And there's now very very there's big expectations for the Mets coming into this season. Yeah, there are. You know, they're trying to compete now with the Yankees are kind of in that New York market, and they're trying to. You know, because they, they really had to go out and spend because they don't have much in the, um, you know, in the minor leagues. You know, they, they don't really have a ton of depth down there. So this is kind of how they're building it right now is by free agency. They're, they, they're paying a ton of money to Serger, who's one of the best big game pitchers out there. You know, Marte's a good hitter. He's like 32. Escobar, I think, early 30s as well, who's a, who's a good hitter as well. But, yeah, you know, the, the Mets are, you know, they're, they're done kind of – being the little brother to kind of the stepbrother in the New York market behind the Yankees. So they're, they're trying to compete and it's, it's good to see the Mets going out there because, you know, city field is a beautiful park and, you know, the fan base deserves some, you know, to deserve some kind of hope and, and some, some wins there. Cause it, the last few years, they, they haven't been great. And, um, you know, then it, I guess we're not, we shouldn't be surprised because we thought all going in that Steve Cohen was going to, you know, pay, pay uh big bucks to get, try to get whoever he wants to come in there. Uh, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. But we got to go uh, move on to two teams in the American League, two up and coming teams in the American League that made big deals this week. You had the Rangers getting uh, Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon. Corey Seager, 10 years. Uh, that was a huge, I think, a 320 million. I think it was like around 325. Wow. So they, that's a huge deal for Seager. Uh, Simeon, I think, four years, 56 million there. So Rangers get those two guys. And, uh, and oh, seven years. Oh, wow. So yeah, seven years. Seven. I'm not sure. Oh, wow. So uh, you got Simeon and Seager uh, getting big deals. But I do think the Rangers right now, I do I, I do think with the, with these moves, I, I, the problem is they don't have any pitching. They, they were a bad team last year, and they still don't have any pitching. Offensively with Simeon, Garcia, and Seager, it'll be a fun team to watch. It'll be an improved team. But I still I still think, even with these moves, they're still the worst team in the in the, uh, in, in the AL West. I still think the Angels are better. I still think we'll get to the Mariners. I still think the Mariners are better. And obviously the A's and the Astros are better. And then for the Tigers uh, – with them signing, uh, with them signing Javier Baez, I think this is a team that is closer to competing than the Rangers are. I do think that that Javier Baez uh, adds a bat in that lineup. Jonathan Scope had a pretty good year. Eric Cass, he didn't have a bad year being 
eye catching. Uh, they still have Maggie on the team. We don't know what they're going to do with Maggie, but this just proves you that the Tigers are going. The Tigers want to compete, and this is a weak division. But the Guardians are, are, are not a are not a contender. The Royals are definitely not a contender, and then the uh, Twins are not a contender. So this is a. I think the Tigers right now. I mean, it's not saying much. But I think the Tigers right now are the second best team in the AL Central, and they got the, pit, the difference between them and the Rangers. Why I think they're definitely have a better chance of competing for a playoff spot is the pitching. I mean, Casey Mize is a really good, really good, could be a very good pitcher. Uh, you got you got Spencer Turnbull in that rotation as well. So I think with the pitching, I think I think that's why I think the Tigers definitely have a better chance to compete for a playoff spot than the Rangers. But just in your opinion, which one of these two teams with the signings they've made has a better chance to compete for a playoff spot? Yeah, I'm with you with the Tigers. It's, I mean, it was seven years, 175. Um, which okay, I think, gotcha, yeah. gotcha. I think, you know, the Rangers, yeah, overpaid – I think for both those guys, I mean, and, and Seager. And I know the Rangers got um, John Gray, too, for pitching. But, like, I was looking at splits. He's better at Coors Field than he is on the road. His numbers are better. So, which kind of caused some concern there. But, um, I yeah, I think the Rangers, that lineup, going to be fun to watch. They really struggled, um, especially up the middle last year. I think that the worst average for second and shortstop last year. But, yeah, it's a pitching. They, don't, they have not developed any young pitching. That's the problem. We'll see what um, Jack Leiter can do, but he just got drafted, so you can't expect him for another few years. He's supposed to be, you know, a good one coming up. But, um, you know, we'll see. That lineup's good, but, yeah, that division's going to be – because I know, like, the A's are kind of in retool mode, but, like, the A's are going to find guys and they're going to be competitive. Like, that's just who Oakland is. Like, you you know they're going to be kind of in the race for a wild card towards the end of the year. So, yeah, I, I think the Rangers right now are still fit. They they really got to figure out that pitching because I don't think John Gray – better than what they have, but he's still not great. And then, yeah, with the Tigers, the Tigers too, I think they – since like the – you know, the, from the All-Star break to the end of the year, I think they were like eight – seven or eight games over 500. Like they played well towards the end of the stretch. And then, and, you know, you can say what you want about A.J. Hinch, but he's a whole much better manager than um Scott Woodward is with the Texas Rangers. So – you know, Javier Baez, he has his high strikeout rate, and the Tigers were second or third last year in the major leagues in strikeout rate. So he may not help in that regard, but it's a star you got. I'm surprised. I figured they were going to get Correa, the Tigers were, with that relationship with um, Correa and then A.J. Hinch. But, you know, a good bat, you know, and um, uh, Javier Baez, it, you know, could swing it pop because they didn't have really a ton of pop in that lineup last year. But yeah, like, you, you know, Terry, uh, Seeple, Casey Mize, even Matt Manning had some outings where you kind of saw some positives for him. And I think they have another, is I think they have like another starter too at the minor league level. That's like really close. It's supposed to be pretty good. Like they really built that minor league system on their pitching. Um, it, yeah. Yeah. Spencer actually, no, yeah. Spencer turn. Well, I forgot. He did come up towards the end of the year, but, um, yeah, I, I think the Tigers are now in a lot better shape than than the Rangers, and I think yeah, part of that's the division, um, but just really the White Sox. I think the rules are going to be improved. Like I, I think that I think if their pitching can, you know, you know, figure itself out because it didn't last year that lineup. I think the rules could be better, could battle with the Tigers to that second spot in the AL Central. But I, I think the Tigers could be right there for a wild card just because of the way they finished too last year. Yeah, we'll see. I think they're. I think they're about. I think they'll be about like an eighty, and maybe seventy-eight. I think about an eighty-win team. Eight, eighty, eighty-one, eighty to eighty-two wins. I feel like for the Tigers this year. But we had a big signing yesterday by the Mariners as they uh they, they signed uh 
they, they signed yeah, Robbie Ray to a, to a big deal, five years, 115 million. And I, I think I think Robbie Ray, he's, he's had some great years. He's had some you know bad, some shaky years. But I, I think this signing is a good signing. They got to they got to resign Corey Seager too. And him and him and Hanniger had career years last year. I think he 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 uh, he, he, he Ray does join a pretty good rotation, not a great rotation, but a pretty good rotation. Uh, I do. The Mariners were close last year, and I think this move. Might get the Mariners over the hump. I know. I think there's a chance they could get the Mariners over the hump and get them to the playoffs. But just in your opinion, does this move get the Mariners getting the defending Cy Young Award winner? Does this get the Mariners over the hump get, and and get them to the playoffs for the first time in over two decades? I think it does. I I, I really like that the Mariners are going out and spending, and they're trying to get there. They're trying to you know, which is great. I'm like because some of the, these teams now it's like two billion dollars they spend. It's all teams that really had, did not go to the playoffs last year. So. You know, like Marco Gonzalez was solid last year. Like Chris Flexen pits well. And then um, even Logan Gilbert started to pitch better towards the end of the year. Like that, you know, now you had Robbie Ray. That marriage rotation is going to be pretty good next year. You know, and then getting Adam Frazier, too, who's a solid pit, um, you know, solid average hitter. You know, I know he struggled with San Diego, but the trade for him, too. I really like what Seattle did that. I know we mentioned that AL West is going to be a gauntlet. You still got the Astros, you know. The, the yeah, we'll see what the Angels with the pitching does. Yeah, we'll see. You know, the and we'll A's see if the A's keep Matt because the A's probably won't keep Matt Olson. So we'll see what happens no. there. No, but you always expect the the A's to compete. Like you, you know, they'll they'll find guys that you know will pick up the slack for the guys they lose. So I, I expect the the A's to kind of contend like they usually do. So you'll see what the Angels do. But yeah, it's a tough division. But I, I do see to Seattle's there. That whole bullpen that was really good last year is all coming. I believe they're still all under contract, too. So I really like what Seattle did. And it sounds like, too, they're going after uh, Chris Bryant as well. So it sounds like they may not be done. So if they get, yeah, Hanniger back and Kyle Seager, who are two staples, you know, especially Seager, uh, I I really like what Seattle could do to build off that 91-win season a year ago. Yeah, we'll, we'll go to the AL East now. And there were some some moves made. The, the Blue Jays they didn't sign Ray, but they did sign Kevin Gosman. You know, to, 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 to pair him with Jose Barrios in that rotation. Uh, the, I mean, the Blue Jays lost some guys, but I do th- still feel like they're a playoff team. Yeah, it's a playoff contender. I think it's definitely a contender for a wild card. Even losing Ray and Simeon because the offense is real, still really good. Uh, so I still do. I still think that the Rays are a. Uh, I mean, the, the Jays are a, a contender for the playoffs. And then you look at the Rays. I mean, they signed Corey Kluber. Yes, we know as Yankee fans, you have trouble staying healthy, but he could add depth to the rotation. And you got Tyler Glass now coming off Tommy John. So the Rays definitely, they, I mean, the Rays bullpen and the lineup are great. They're outstanding. But the rotation, that was that was the reason why the Rays did not get past the Red Sox in the ALDS. So, you know, adding some depth to this rotation could definitely help a team that's that's going to be World Series contenders going into the season. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the Blue Jays, yeah, you know, that's going to help the stat. We'll see how we, um, how Gosman does? He struggled in his division with the with the um, Baltimore Orioles for a few years. So, you know, maybe he went over to San Francisco and they fixed some things with him, and, and maybe they, you know, he comes out and he pitches better than he did in Baltimore. But yeah, you know, if the Blue Jays can get that bullpen fixed, you know, we'll see if they make any moves to kind of fix that. Is that 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 was kind of their their big kind of um, their kryptonite last year? They really could not get outs in big spots. Yeah, that offense is really good. Um, they're still going to hit for power. They're still going to, you know, score a lot of runs. It's, can they get the big outs and can guys, you know, do enough, you know, can the bullpen get enough outs night in and night out? I think, you know, it's a, the big issue there. So, yeah, the Blue Jays should be able to be right there, 
as a wild card and then with the Rays adding Kluber. I'm like, Kluber pitched well up, you know, like late April, May, you know, he had a no-hitter, and then that was really it. We didn't see much of him until, what, August, September, he didn't come back, and it was like, you know, you kind of see he was rusty. But, like, you, you, with the Rays, yeah, he comes back. You know, the Rays will kind of figure it out, and, you know, they'll, they'll you know, he'll, he'll pitch well for him. You know, they, they have a lot of young starters in there that I think they're hoping uh, – you know, take a step forward this year with McClanahan, Shane Baez, um, Luis Patino. So we'll see. You know, you know the Rays are going to be right there as they always are, that pitching rotation. And obviously with the bullpen, that's always great. So, yeah, I expect the Rays to be right there to to uh, find a way to win the ALEs pennant once again. And the Blue Jays should should definitely be – you got to think, you know, the, for um, Montoya to keep his job, that they got to get to at least a wild card spot next year. Absolutely. They don't get to wild card spot. Charlie Montoya has got to be fired. But we got to get to the two local teams and the lack of activity with these two local teams. And to me, that that's what's stunning. And we'll start We'll start with the Red Sox. If the Red Sox have failed to – I mean, yes, they get James Paxson who's coming off Tommy John. And now and now they're going to get – they signed Michael Waka. I, I would take, you know, Kevin Gosman over both the, both those guys. I'd take Marcus Stroman over both those guys. And then and they, and they and obviously they weren't in play for any of the big t- – they weren't in play for Ray. They weren't in play for Scherzer. For rotation that they, they're banking on the fact that Evaldi's going to have another career year. Evaldi had a career year last year. Chris Sale was not – he didn't really go more than five innings last year. This rotation is a major question mark. And you're in a tough division, and you have not upgraded either of your weaknesses, your – you have not upgraded your starting rotation, and you have not upgraded your bullpen. And that is a major concern for a, for a team that had a really good season last year. But I think high on Bloom, you saw at the trade deadline last year, he failed to improve the he failed to improve the team. That cost him probably cost him a chance to play for the World Series. And this year, he's he's failing to improve this team. And if this team doesn't improve, don't be surprised they're sitting in fourth place next year. Don't be don't be surprised if they're like you know an eighty four and like a, you know an eighty four to eighty six win team. And they're sitting in, uh, I mean, maybe like, I'd say, no, I would even say 84, 82 to 84 win team. And they're sitting in fourth place in the AL East next year because High and Bloom has done a poor job improving this baseball team. Yeah, they haven't done great. I still think right now the Red Sox are better than the Yankees at this point. I still think the Yankees are the fourth best team in this division at the moment. Because they, lo- I know they lost, the, you know, they lost Erod too. He went to Detroit. To Detroit, yeah, and the replacements yeah, so. are Michael Waka. I don't think Erod's great, but the replacements are Michael yeah. Waka and and James Paxton. And we saw as we saw as Yankee fans in 2020, and then last year's coming off Tommy John. I mean, I, I I know the Red Sox had a really good year, but they just really have not improved the team for me. They, they really for me they really haven't improved this team. Now Garrett Whitlock is supposed to take a starter's role this year, so he's supposed to fill in. You got Tanner Houck, who, if they could kind of keep healthy, I think he's going to be a mainstay, which I, I really like him. I really like Garrett Whitlock. I'm like, Pavetta was so up and down last year. He pitched well pretty much in June, and then it was like one bad start, one good start. Yeah, can you expect 30 starts from Chris Sale now? I don't know. You know, it's tough. Even with Evaldi, Evaldi was healthy last year. He was great, you know. You could say he was a dark horse for the, for the Cy Young. You know, I know he was only 11-9, and nine, but the way he pitched, he was unbelievable. But – yeah, can you expect another 30, 32 starts from, starts from Nathan Baldy? I don't know. I don't know if they're doing what the Yankees are, and they're just kind of going to see the trade market. But then I also think it's High Bloom said he doesn't really want to, you know, tap into that farm system until he thinks it's, you know, top 10. Like, so I don't really yeah. – so I'm not really sure if they're going to make any big moves in the trade deadline. So I'm not really sure – what they're doing, you know, Paxton, yeah. you can't think of Paxton's healthy either. 
No, this is my problem with High and Bloom. He goes out two years ago, trades for Mookie Betts. Okay, if you're you, that, your strength is your offense, you wanted to, you know, you know, you want you need to save you want to save money. You want to you trade at Betts. All right, your offense is really good. I, I get that, but the problem is, is he's not improving this team at all. He's not, you know, he's not in on any of these pitchers. They need starting pitching to, to, to keep up what they what they built last year. This is a tough division. I said this, this is a tough division. And, and the problem with the Red Sox is they're just banking on the fact, oh, everyone's going to have the same year as they did last year. You can't just do that. Last year, it seemed like the trade deadline, they were just content to to roll out the team they had for the first three months of the season. They didn't improve the bullpen, cost them, cost them games four and games five, the ALCS. And right now, I feel like their lack of activity is, gonna, I think, going to hurt them going into the season. Right now, I'm picking them for, for, to finish in fourth place in the AL East. It really could, you know. It, it could because that walk is not hey, – he had a five-year last year in Tampa. He wasn't great. Um, you know, I'm thinking, too, they had one starter, two last year. Um, Brian Mata, who's down. I think he's their top pitching prospect. He, but he had Tommy John last year. Like I don't know if he, they're banking on him to be the fifth guy next year. That's like the that's the guy who I'm thinking of of maybe being their fifth guy. But yeah, like the lack of activity is kind of surprising because they, they they're um tax reset this offseason. So like they, they you know like they, they're able to go out and spend money. And I thought they were like I thought you know maybe they go try to upgrade. Maybe the catchers you know. Bass is probably isn't song, but um, or Barnhart, you know, Bass is probably you probably take Bass over him, but yeah, I thought starter wise, they'd probably take you know, try to grab somebody. I don't know, like, it doesn't really seem like there's much activity right now with them trying to re sign Kyle Schwarber, who's great for him at the end of the year. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't really know. I expected the Yankees not to really do much, but the Red Sox, I, I thought were gonna be players, but like, I don't know because you kind of see all these non playoff teams going after all these big free agents. So, like, and I think, like, Marcus Simeon got overpaid. I think Corey Seager overpaid. I think Kevin Gaudman got overpaid. Like, I, I think, you know, like, you haven't seen the Dodgers with any activity. So, like, I, I, I think maybe these teams are kind of standing back and didn't really want to pay the big bucks because they thought, maybe, you know, they didn't really want to try to overpay, overspend. The difference between the Dodgers and the Yankees and, and the Yankees and Red Sox is the Dodgers are. I know they've lost. They lost Scherzer and they lost Seager, but they're still a complete team. They're still really good. They're still one of the top teams offensively. They still got a good rotation and they still got a good bullpen. The Dodgers are still one of, one of the top teams in baseball, and they're one of the top, they're they're on another tier than the Yankees are. I feel like the Dodgers are on that top tier in baseball. The Yankees and Red Sox are on that second tier. So that's why I'm not going to criticize the Dodgers for lack of activity. I'm absolutely going to criticize the Yankees and Red Sox for lack of activity. Yeah, I, I'm not. I wasn't criticizing Dodger. I'm just saying too. Like usually, you see them trying to be a player. Like yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, those, like, no yeah. negotiations, and they really haven't. But they got a lot yeah, of these like, big deals. They got they got so many yeah. big contracts though. They got they have, they they, they got to pay Mookie Betts. They got a lot of they got a lot of big contracts. So I, I that's why yeah. I don't feel like they're as much of a player right now. Yeah, yeah, that 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 definitely could be one of the reasons. Yeah, you know their payrolls are up there. But yeah, yeah, I think I'm not really stoned the Yankees. I, I you know I know we'll get to them in a minute. The Red Sox have more of because I think. I think with the red side, because it's like, yeah, they had some money. And I know Bogarts, is it Bogarts or Devers is next year their contract's up. So, like, they, you know, they're going to have to pay one of those. They're probably they're going to pay both of them the next few years. But I think one of them, it's coming up, you know, at the end of next season. So, you, you know, you would think they'd try to get one of those off the books now and, and try to sign, re-sign them. But, like, yeah, I'm surprised they really have not been bidders. Because I really haven't seen their name. I think they were in on – Baez, I, I saw the name. I don't know how, you know, what they offered him or anything, but I think it was Baez they were in for. I don't know how much they ended up, 
you know, if they ever offered him anything. But yeah, it's, it's interesting that they didn't really. I figured they were going to definitely resign Schwarber. It, I haven't really heard anything that they are so far. So it's weird. It's it's really weird that they haven't really because I thought they, yeah they were going to kind of spend a little bit this off season and you know not overspend like they did a couple of years ago, but like you figured they'd do something. Absolutely, absolutely. And now, and now we'll, we'll, we'll go on to the Yankees. And uh, I think the Yankees still have a chance to salvage this. I think they still have a chance to get Story. They still have a chance to get – I think they still, have a, they still have a chance to get Story and Correa if they trade Glaber Torres. But, as, but, but, uh, the, but they, yeah, they, they missed out on Corey Seager. And I felt like they were going to – they had a really good chance of getting Corey Seager. They missed out on Corey Seager. So that, that's a bat. And the team that needs bats in this lineup. I mean, LeMayu and Torres were really disappointing last year. They really only have – and they haven't re-signed Rizzo – Rizzo yet. I mean, realistically, I mean, Judge, Judge and Stanton, and then Rizzo was decent when he came back last year, but they, they really offensively, this team, 19th and run scored. They really need to improve offensively. I'm just surprised they have not, you know, packaged Glaber and gotten one of these big-time shortstops. Even if it's Trevor Story, get one of these big-time shortstops to improve at that position and improve this lineup because the problem is, is they very easily, just like we said about the Red Sox, they don't improve this lineup. They very easily could wind up in fourth place. And seeing who they brought back as manager as well, they very – I can very easily see this team finishing in fourth place. Yeah, I think right now they're probably still the fourth best team. In this I just I don't I, I can't imagine that they run this team back. Like I, I imagine that I thought they'd be more into the trade market by now, but I know trades are kind of a little bit harder to come by. Somebody told me that they if they didn't go after Seager or Correa, I think that's kind of telling you that they're gonna re-sign Judge and they don't want another three hundred million dollar contract. Yeah, because you got Cole million. and you got Stanton still on the books, and they're gonna yeah. give Judge a huge deal. Yeah, so somebody told me I think that's probably why they may be kind of sitting tight here more in the free agent market. But yeah, like I know they've been on on Matt Wilson. That'd be a great left-handed bat to get. Oh, great you know? left-handed. I take I take him over Anthony Rizzo. I would I would I would let yeah. Rizzo walk and sign and, and trade for Olsen. I don't care about the prospects. Trade for Olsen. Yeah. He's a better player yeah. than Anthony Rizzo right now. Yeah, absolutely. I, I take Matt Olson heartbeat. I think it's strikeout rate is very low. Um, when I was reading, but yeah, like you know, like they can't, they can't trust Aaron Hicks to play center field next year to be healthy. Like that can't be every. Like I just imagine that they're going more in the trade market, and it's probably you know they're not. We're not going to see anything probably till after the CBA negotiations are over now. So, but like I can't imagine that they're going to actually run the team back. Like I, I cannot imagine what, how bad this was and how much heat that they kind of got for bringing Boom back and Steinbrenner and all that, like they, they, they have to know, realize that the fan base is not going to accept what, if this is the same team that they put on the field, because it's, it's not, they're, they're going to get a riot on their hands from Yankee fans. Yeah, yeah, they, 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 yeah, they can't bring this team back. I mean, they've, they've already brought the manager back. Who I wanted no part of bringing the manager back. They already brought him back. Now they're going to bring this entire team back. Yeah, maybe you could hope that Glaber Torres has can get back to get back to what he was in 2019. Maybe you could hope DJ LeMayu gets back to which we're in 2020. But you're hoping. You're not knowing other teams in the division. I mean, you look at the Rays. They know Wander Franco is going to be good. They know that Austin Meadows is going to be good. They know that Brandon Lau is going to be good. You look at you look at Toronto. They know that. Vlad Guerrero, they know that Vlad Guerrero Jr. is going to be good. They know that Bo Bichette is going to be good. They know that you know Teoscar Hernandez. He's good. He's going to be good. And they know those George Springer is going to be good. You look at the Red Sox, the big three. They know that Bogarts and uh, and and Devers, Bogarts, Devers, and and JD are going to be good. The Yankees, you really only have two guys in that lineup that you can count on. You know who the two guys are: Judge and Stan. 
everyone else, you don't know. So I, I just don't get why they haven't been, you know, really out in front with improving this lineup. I think that's been a real problem. And listen, you you were one that wanted Cashman to go more than Boone. If they have another bad year, this lineup is another bad year, I'm probably going to agree with you that I want Cashman gone because he really has not done enough. To, if he doesn't do enough to improve this lineup, I would be with you that I want Cashman gone. Yeah, no, because it's like I just – you know, because he won. I know, like the last time they won it, they spent all that money. I'm not saying you have to, but it's like the way you're finding you these guys. Need, you have to fill it. Yeah, yeah, when you have a need, you have to fill it. And the Yankees are not are not filling their needs right now. They're not improving their lineup. This is a big weakness of this team. They were 19th in run scored last year, and they're refusing to make this lineup better. Absolutely, and I thought like they'd be a player on Jacob Songs or Tanner Bar- um, Barker at the catcher spot. Didn't really look like the Marlins paid. I know the Marlins gave up a good young pitcher in Zach Thompson, but I don't like, you know, I don't know if they ever offered the the, the Pirates anything, but like I was surprised, you know, that they they didn't get a upgrade the catcher's five, but you know, with Sanchez, you know, I agree they have to upgrade. Like I love Luke Voigt, but like I, I think you got to get a lefty bat like a Matt Olson in there. I'd probably rather have Voigt than Rizzo, just because of the product. I think you're gonna get more production if Voigt could say healthy than Rizzo. I know the average Rizzo is going to be better, but, like, I know DJ, you're hoping, but, it, like, it's not like he had a core injury most of the year. So I'm hoping it's, he can get that core fixed this offseason and he's back to somewhat of DJ LeMay form. But, yeah, like, you, you got to upgrade, you know, any way you can. Like, you know, especially I think at center field, like, you can't trust Aaron Hicks. I'm like, I, I was big into Gallo, but it's like I can't. You know, like, strikes out again, way it just, too much. Joey Gallo yeah. strikes out way too much. There, I'll cool. give the Rangers credit for for trading him. He strikes out way too much. Yeah. They got a bullet for that one, and it's like you know, and then it's like Tyler Wade last year when in that month of August batted four hundred. Like he, when you played him every day, you, he showed you something. He showed you what he could do. I was, and it's like it, I was not a Tyler Wade fan. I thought that was fluky. I'm not a Tyler Wade fan, but you got a point. I wasn't. I'm not either. But it's like he's the opposite, complete opposite of everything else you had in this team. It just like. That's what bothers you know. It bothers me too that they were kind of they got rid of the guy that the one guy that had some speed on this team because it's just yeah. I don't you know they they have to upgrade it you know to where because it's like you know Geo had it down here too. It's like your corner infielders you know first and third have to have at least like ninety RBIs. You got to say to really be competitive in this day and age. And we didn't look come close Devers. to that last year. Look, yeah, look at no, Devers look at and Vlad. yeah. Yeah, you know, exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we didn't come close to that. You know, I think Trey yeah, Mancini had like 80 RBS. Over. And that's the Orioles. That's, that's, that's Baltimore. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah it's, it's like just, mo- Yeah. You look at contenders and their first and third baseman, their production's way up there. And the Yankees yep. didn't have that last year. Look at and, Austin and Riley. Look at Austin Riley with the Braves. Yeah. Look at, obviously, yeah, Alex Bregman with the Astros. All these contenders, yep. great point there. You know, obviously, you brought up Devers. You brought and uh, and you and uh, with and with Jose the uh, uh, Jose Abreu with the White Sox. Yeah, all these contenders have good power hitters at the corner at the corner infield positions, yep. and the Yankees don't. And that then that's a real problem. Yeah, then they got upgrade there, and you know, I again, it's I don't know how many trades you're going to be able to make, but you got to make them. They're not going to happen today, so we probably won't see them in February. But it, it's it's going to be a wandering question here for Yankee fans the next probably two months of what they're going to do because, yeah, I didn't think they were going to go trade market or, I mean, free agent market. Where I was hoping Correa or a senior, but I felt like then you couldn't re-sign Judge. So I think that's their telling sign that they're um, – that a Judge is probably coming back, which, you know, I'm happy about if he stays healthy. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. That's the one positive you could say about the Yankee line. Two positives. John Carlos Stan with the Terry went on in September mm-hmm. and Aaron Judge. Those those those, okay. those, those, yeah. those are the two positives right now for the Yankees. Yeah. And you could call Stan now that contract at the moment. It's undervalued. For it's what undervalued. Some of getting. Is that, you it's, know, under, that? it's undervalued because guys didn't step up around him last year. Yeah, you no. could say the whole he couldn't hit in the postseason and all that and all that, but that team is not in the postseason. They don't have a chance. They're not playing that game in Boston. They're not, they're not in the playoffs. It was not for John Carlos Stan. I mean, John Carlos Stan had two humongous hits in that series in September in Boston. I mean, there was a stretch there where he had four hits, and all four of those hits had could not have meant more for the Yankees. And at either end of the game or they won the game for the Yankees. So you can't criticize John Carlos Stan and Aaron Judge. You criticize what's around them. Yeah, absolutely. I, I do not want to hear one more Yankee fan boo John Carlos Stan and Yankee Stan this year when he strikes out. I am. I'm done because he, he carried us again like he did last year in the postseason. So it's ridiculous. So, yeah, I am, in agreement. I, I am in agreement with that. So it should be interesting to see what happens with the rest of the offseason baseball. But we got to get to college football and we got championship week. Before that, we got a promo from Clovercrest Media. College football playoffs are coming, and we got you covered in each game, rankings, and bowl game. We're breaking it down at each snap, each week, Tuesdays and Thursdays. Joe Aguirre, Chase Garcia, and myself, Ovin Muniz, giving you the highlights, predictions, and current rankings. Visit our website at overcrestmedia.com and hhwshow.com. It's all four downs, presented by the CMG Sports Podcast Network. All right, so we had a busy week in college football, and we'll first start with the two coaches, Lincoln Riley and uh, and Brian Kelly. Lincoln Riley going to USC, uh, Brian Kelly going to LSU. And uh, my, my my thoughts on this is, I thought for uh, I, I I think right now Lincoln Riley is is def, I think he's, he's set up to have more success because for Lincoln Riley, I feel like uh, Oklahoma going into the SEC that was going to be a very very competitive conference. Now he goes to USC where he's going to be able to. Re- to win recruiting and he could be the best team the, the usc could be the best team win that conference in 2023 easily easily you, they may they're probably can they'll probably compete for next year showing uh seeing how bad the pac-12 is i think that lincoln Riley is going to be able to compete for that con that for the for that conference he's going to be able to get i think he gets maybe even gets them into the college football playoff in 2023 winning that conference i think i think that i really like this i think he's going to be able to recruit really well at at, uh, at usc i really really like this I really like this hire for USC, and I like this for Lincoln Riley. I really do. I really like this for Lincoln Riley. On the other hand, for Brian Kelly, I think he saw these college football these these games in the BCS national championship game to no to to, to, to Alabama when he got crushed. The, uh, when he got crushed in the uh, semifinals in 2018 to Clemson, when he got crushed last year in, uh, in to Alabama. I think the writing's on the wall that he just feels like there's a ceiling at Notre Dame. The ceiling at Notre Dame is is. We can't we can't get past the semifinal. We, when we go up against an SEC school or a Clemson or, a, or, a, or, a, or an Ohio State, we just can't compete. That's just the problem at Notre Dame. I mean, they have a great academic standard. It's an outstanding university, but the problem is, in terms of winning, you know, champ, championships, they just don't have the talent that those big schools have. And I think the writing was on the wall for Brian Kelly. I think he, I think he just, I think, I think he, I think he's just he's, he's seeing it, and that's why I think he's making this move to LSU. Now it's going to be a lot more difficult for Brian Kelly. Because he's got to compete with Nick Saban and, uh, and and Kirby Smart. It's going to be a lot more difficult for I think for Brian Kelly because he's in a much tougher conference. But I think Brian Kelly, for all these years he's been coaching, I think he wants that national championship. That's why he made that move. But Justin, 
who do you feel like is which move do you think I feel like is going to work out better, Lincoln Riley or Brian Kelly? I think it's going to be Lincoln Riley. I think, you know, this guy's going to be here. He's 30 years old. He could be at USC for the next 15, 20 years and could win multiple national championships. I think going out west, you know, um, to where Kyle Winningham has done an absolute great job at Utah for many years, just the model consistency. They're always going to be there. Oregon, of course, you know, you fear Washington. It's going to get back to a competitive state, but, like, when USC is the top team in the Pac-12, nobody's ever close. So you, you can't put – it's USC Tier 1, everybody else except belong. And that's what Lincoln Riley's going to do. I'm like, you know, he already got the, you know, Malachi Richardson, the top recruit for – or the top quarterback for 2023 to already decommit to Oklahoma, commit to USC with him. He's got a bunch of Southern guy Cal, Cal, Southern California guys. He's going to recruit all of them. They're pretty much – most of them are going to go to USC now. He's gonna build a dynasty, and and for you and USC too, just showed me too that USC is ready to get back on the national stage because they, you know, the last few years it really hasn't, they haven't shown the urgency they wanted to now. So it's great, and I think it's good for college football to have that West Coast USC team back and probably a lot. Of, yeah, next year I don't think they, you know, he'll probably win eight games, probably. So I just their roster just is not very good. That's really the issue right now. He's got a. We'll see what they do in the transfer portal because there's a ton of Oklahoma guys. I've already seen like four or five Oklahoma guys already in the portal. There's probably going to be more. Um, we'll see what like Caleb Williams does. But, like, I'm excited to see what he does with Keenan Slovis and the Jackson Dart, you know, to the freshman who played really well in his time when um, he's been healthy. So, I'm excited to see what Lincoln Riley can do. It's, it's you know, and, if, yeah, for him, it, it you know, I don't know how much the LSU LSU stuff was, was there and the rumors were there, but – like, it, it, you know, I know people have said, oh, you see, you know, Oklahoma fans are like, oh, he's scared of the fight. But it's like you just saw what Ed Georgia on Dan Bullens just went through. Like, you lose three or four games after, you, after you know, for Orgeron who won a national championship less than two years ago and you're gone. Why go there when you go to USC where you're going to dominate like you have for the Big 12 the last six, seven years? It, it makes perfect sense. So, I, I think it's Lincoln Riley, you know. I Again, it, it was – Surprising to see him go there, but I think it's Lincoln Riley. And then, you know, with Brian Kelly, yeah, I think it's national championship. He won one at Division Two at Grand Valley State. He won it, you know, Central Michigan did a great job at Cincinnati. He had an undefeated season the year before he left to go to Nordane. You know, yeah, it, you know, the one knock on Brian Kelly is he just that he could never develop that quarterback that he could put over the top, and he never had that in Nordane. You know. It, the thing too, like I think he's going to be very competitive in the NCAA. He's oh, Nordane always in the trenches is always one of the best teams. I know they've gotten dominated at times, but that offensive line is always solid. They've had nine first round picks since he's been there at the offensive line. I think there's eleven or twelve of them in the NFL right now. He's developed, and that's like the one thing Alabama has exposed LSU over. You know, those are the you know from Les Miles days. You know, even you know I know nineteen they're nasty that up front, but like the, in the trenches, LSU's going to be great. It shows, you know, he won the, he won that national championship, but you're absolutely right. It's he, in, in the 21st century. It is very, it's, I wouldn't say it's impossible, but it's very hard to get to win an national championship now in Notre Dame because now with all, you know, he doesn't have to go through the academic level. Now, you know, Notre Dame doesn't really accept those, some of the guys that he's going to be able to accept that LSU now. So, and then you think about it too, if you're Brian Kelly, the last three, you know, the last three head coaches at LSU all won a title. One in Nick Saban, who's one of the best of all time. And then two who are decent in Les Miles and Ed Orgeron. So and Brian Kelly is obviously better than those two. 
Yeah, Ed Orgeron might be one of the worst coaches to ever win a national championship. Yeah, absolutely. But he was able to recruit. He was able to recruit. Yeah. Look, look, look at the talent. Look at the talent in the NFL now. Joe Burrow, yeah. Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase were on one team. And then Derek yeah. Stingley was on that defense. So that team was ridiculous. So Ed Orgeron can recruit. So Brian Kelly definitely – I think Brian Kelly definitely has a chance. I think he, if he's, he's going to be able to recruit down there. I just think the timing, though, is, is tough because Notre Dame might get in the college football playoff. But I think he might see the writing on the wall there. I think he feels like they're probably not going to make the college football playoff. I think that was, could have been a reason why he took this job, too. No, yeah, and I, I think, you know, I don't think there's, you know, I don't know how many more jobs he would have taken if not for the LSU. Like, I don't know how many ADs actually would have approached him to take the job. So I think this was probably one way out, you know, like the one offer. Because I don't – because this is the first time a Notre Dame coach has ever been posed by another college, which is, again, you never really thought about that ever yeah, happening but, in Notre Dame. But this just shows you that Notre Dame isn't that top-tier program anymore, and the biggest reason why, and I hate to say it, is – Academically, they don't let certain recruits in. They don't let they don't let anyone in just to play athletics. This is a top institution, just like Stanford and Notre Dame are top academic institutions. They don't just let anybody in, and I think that that has costed Notre Dame for for being a top college football program. Yeah, absolutely. Because his his class have always been good around like 10, 15, 20 ish. This year, he had coming in with number five, his best one of all time. So he had a really good one. But yeah, it's just he can't get those kids that he's going to get at LSU. You know, he's because I think you get a handful of exceptions every year that you can bring in, but it's not many. It may, you know, I know that's why Urban Meyer didn't take the job back when it was between 2005. Yeah. 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 He he, he took Florida and he made the right choice because he won two national championships. Absolutely. You know, so it's a tough job. I think, you know, I know some Nordian fans didn't really like Kelly because they thought they wanted to win a national championship, but like, I, I think that's he did the best you're going to do really in the, in the 21st century now at Nordian. So, We'll see what the next show does there, see if they can get them to the next step. But it's awfully difficult, and he did a heck of a job, especially after that 2016 season, you know, where they went, what, like four and eight seven? With, and with, 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 four and eight yeah, with Sean Kaiser. Like four and eight, yeah. Yeah, and he brought in a whole new staff. And since then, he's been a great at finding OCs and defensive coordinators to really work around him. He really changed a lot of things, and it, and it worked, you know. And I, I think to be able to do the same thing now down in uh, the bayou. Absolutely. 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 So we'll go over the rankings from last night. And obviously Georgia was number one. Kind of surprised. I wasn't totally shocked about Michigan, number two, Alabama, number three, Cincinnati, number four, Oklahoma State, number five, and Notre Dame, number six. Really outside of that, nothing else matters because all those teams aren't going to make the college football playoff. We obviously know Georgia is in. And I think there's two teams that are in winning your in situations. Michigan, which they should obviously win over Iowa. And then Alabama, which is which has a brutal game against Georgia. I'm not saying if Alabama wins, I don't think Cincinnati's automatically in if they win because I think the committee might jump Oklahoma State over Cincinnati. But for Cincinnati, the way they'll get in is if they win or have Alabama and Oklahoma State lose. And uh, Notre Dame, they they need a lot of help. I feel like they they they're going to need uh, you know they'll need they'll need two of those they'll need two of those the uh, four teams ahead of them to lose to get in. So I think Oklahoma State they could win and everybody could win and they could get in. So then. We know we know there's the situation. We know with Georgia, they're in. Uh, Alabama and Michigan, if they win, they're in. Cincinnati, I don't I I don't think they're a winning year. I think they need help. O- Oklahoma State, they might need help, but I think they could win and they could be in. And then Notre Dame, they're obviously going to need help. That's my breakdown of it. So right now, yeah, I'm with you. Like Michigan, out Georgia, Michigan, Alabama, and Oklahoma State. I think yeah, all four of those win. I think they're in. I think yeah, I. Again, I'd be shocked if they do not jump 
Oklahoma State over Cincinnati. And I, I don't agree with that. You know, if that happens, Cincinnati wins on Saturday against a very good Houston team. Um, I, I can very easily see Oklahoma State because, you know, I, you know Oklahoma State getting jumping them. Um, but, like, yeah, like, you know, Michigan, I guess I wasn't, you know, totally shocked. Michigan jumped Alabama. I think it was the right thing to do. Alabama should have lost that game. But, like, yeah, I thought for the, you know, most part, one through six, it's it, it's right. I thought Michigan Michigan pretty much dominated that game. I don't think there was a possession second half where Ohio State had a chance to tie or take the lead in the second half against Michigan. Like, they, you know, Michigan pretty much controlled that game Saturday. So, I, you know, DeMar finally got over the hump that he deserves right now to be number two. But, yeah, like, I, I, I'm with you. I, I sorely, I, you know, disagree with this thing big time that Cincinnati should be jumped by a one-loss Oklahoma State team that offensively has a lot of issues, but it, it's going to happen. So, yeah, Cincinnati needs Alabama to lose, which I, I think is going to happen, and obviously they have to win, which is going to be a tough game, Houston, um, for the Bearcats. But, like, I, I think they should be able to win that game. So, yeah, you know, um, I, I do agree with you that, Oklahoma State, you know, Georgia, Michigan, in Oklahoma State, in Alabama, if they win, you know, those will be the four if those four, you know, those – or obviously Georgia will be in, obviously, if they if they even lose. But, like, yeah, I, you know, I agree with your, your points there. Yeah, now we'll do our predictions for what we think the top four is going to be. My top four is going to be uh, Georgia number one, Michigan number two, Cincinnati number three, Oklahoma State number four. Uh, what's your top four? My top four, I got the Georgia Bulldogs finishing there at number one. Um, number two, I got the Michigan Wolverines. Number three, I have Oklahoma State because I could see Oklahoma State. Ooh, they could still okay. pass them yeah, because it's a top ten team. That, that's what my thing is, number four, um, Cincinnati. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I could see Oklahoma State. Uh, but, yeah, so the pretty much the thing is is if, if Alabama loses and Cincinnati wins – they should get in the playoff because Alabama was was uh, was so bad against Auburn that even if they lose a close game to Georgia, I still feel like they're going to leave them out, leave Alabama out as a two loss team. They should because then you would, they would have to be the second or third seed, and you cannot do that because there's no way they're going to have them rematch Georgia once again. There's no, no way. So no, no, they they better be out, and I think they would be after what we yeah. saw again last week. Yes, yes, yes. They, performance. Yeah, oh, terrible. They were so lucky to win that game. If Bigsby doesn't run out of bounds, the, uh, Auburn wins that game. And it was with a backup yeah. quarterback, too. On one lake in that yeah. second half. Yeah. Pretty yeah. Much. And then they should have gone for 2-2 two, two in overtime, but, you know, what are you going to do? Exactly. exactly. They never should have got to that point. Nope, nope, nope. Exactly. So, uh, we're going to go. We're gonna get, move on to the games this week. We'll start with the Friday night game, the Pac-12 championship game. Two teams that aren't going to make the playoff, but – the winner goes, probably is going to play Ohio State in the Rose Bowl, Oregon, and Utah. 30, Utah did beat them 38-7 to a couple of weeks ago. I think the game's closer, but I do take – I am going to take Utah. I feel like Utah is playing better right now than Oregon. I got Utah win, winning 23-13 uh, to over Oregon. But, Justin, could Oregon get revenge over Utah and get to the Rose Bowl against Ohio State? It's possible. It's tough to – weird point a team, especially in college, two times in a three-week span here. But I got the Utes 31-21. to um, Kyle Winningham's always did a great job. The Ducks really showed in the red zone last time. They were over three. The Utes took advantage. They were five for five. During this five game winning streak for the Utes, they've only given up four four yards of play, and they really s- shut down Oregon's running attack last time. Utah was like eleven for fourteen two on third down. They they could not you know Oregon could not get them off the field. I think you know if Oregon can get some sort of running game going because that's when Anthony Brown's more effective 
for the passing. He's not a guy that's really great at dropping back and having to throw the ball 30, 35 times a game. I don't see that happening, though. I see you showing him down, I got, and I got the, the uh, Utah going the Rose Bowl. We got the Big 12 championship game between Baylor and Oklahoma State, and I think this is obviously a close competitive game. But I'm going to go with Oklahoma State. I think their defense is playing really well. I think uh, Jalen Warren in the run game, I think he makes a difference just like he did in the first match against Baylor. I think Oklahoma State contains Baylor's running game, forces forces Baylor to turn the ball over, uh, um, turn the ball over once or twice. And that's why I got Oklahoma State winning the Big 12 and probably getting into the college football playoff beating Baylor. Yeah, I yeah, right now I got the Cowboys well, 27-21. Now Gary Boheen, the Baylor start quarterback's he was actually ended up being out last week with a leg injury. I see so questionable. So maybe Blake uh, Chapman, who he tore up, um, played pretty well last week against Texas Tech. But Texas defense is miserable, like it has been the last ten years. So, and Baylor with Boheen the for the first time they you know he really showed to get anything going that in the first meeting against Oklahoma State they only scored fourteen points. I he, with he. Any quarterback, either quarterback for the Baylor Bears that plays in this game, I think is going to struggle. Um, you know, yeah, Jalen Warner or um, yeah, Jalen Warner had a huge game, 125 yards rushing. Spencer Sanders was horrible. David Randis sent, you know, was kind of sent, you know, you know, sent him some tricks his way. He usually does that. I assume he's going to do that again this week. Try to confuse him. Um, he's got to protect the football, but as long as he does it enough, I just don't know how Baylor, even you know. Boheen, they they're not a you know they're good offensive team but they're not great and I don't know how good they'll be you know against this Oklahoma State team again that you know second time around they could show you know be a little bit better but and they improve a bit more but I don't really see it happen this week against the Cowboys defense. We got the big one, the SEC championship game between Alabama and Georgia. Uh, this game, I mean, this is the game everyone's been waiting, been looking forward to. Georgia's defense is really good. Uh, the one issue, though, with Georgia is, is can Alabama contain their running game? Because if Alabama contains that running game, they definitely have a chance to beat Georgia because Stenson Bennett is not a great quarterback. George Pickens was back last week, but he didn't really do much last week. So I do think the key for Bama is to contain the running game. For Georgia, it's obviously the same thing, contain the run, contain Bama's running game, uh, force Bryce Young to beat you with, 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 uh, with, with John Mechie. So – I think this is a really close competitive game. I don't think Georgia's going to have a ton of success running the ball, but I think they will have a little bit. They'll have a good, pretty good amount of success. Alabama, I don't think they're going to have a great amount of success, but I think they'll have a little bit of success running the ball. I do think Bryce Young makes plays, but I think the, I'm going to go with the team with the better defense, and I'm going to go with the quarterback who I think I feel like isn't the better quarterback, but I think is the quarterback who makes less mistakes. And I'm going to go with Georgia to stay number one and beat Alabama 24 to 20. But Justin. Can Alabama continue? Can Nick Saban continue to have a success against Kirby Smart? I I don't think so. I, even though I I could see Kirby Smart trying every which way to blow this game, but I don't know how Bama scored. I have Georgia twenty three to ten. Evan Neal is like the only guy on the offensive line for Bama that's not giving up a sack. Their last two games, Alabama against Arkansas and Auburn, they've given up ten sacks and there's been nineteen tackles for a loss. Brian Robinson not may not play either for. For Bama, they're that would be guys. huge. That would be huge because they can't run yeah. the ball against that defense. Bryce Young is going to get picked off a couple times. Oh yeah, yeah. I I just don't see how he has any time to throw in this game. And um, their backup Sanders hasn't. Their backup running back really hasn't. You know, in, or or yeah, because um, actually no, it's their third string because um, Rodell Williams is out too, I believe. So it's like it's Trey Sanders who's 
he's had 50, you know, he had 10 carries for 23 yards against Auburn, but like he's been mostly mop-up duty. So he hasn't, not a ton of experience here, but it's an Alabama running back. I just don't know how Bryce Young has any time to throw in this game. I'm like, he was under, Auburn's front seven's pretty good, but it's, it's obviously nothing compared to what George's is. I don't know how they stop him in this game. And I don't see Alabama being will do much at all offensively because they didn't do anything offensively against Auburn until two minutes left in that game on um, Saturday. I don't know how they, you know, sets a bet it's not great, but I think he protects the football, does what he has to do. Um, you know, yeah, they may not – Georgia may show to run the football. I just think there's a couple turnovers. Like, I I, I don't – I just – I can't see Bama scoring. And I don't think, like, Bama's going to be – like, I think Georgia's going to be working, working with some short fields in this game. It's Nick Saban, obviously, so maybe he can figure out something. But I don't know what. Like, again, short passes, maybe quick short passes. But, like, you know, that's not going to work all day against Georgia. So, I, I you know, the tough uh, tough week for Bill O'Brien and Nick Saban, the game plan this, against this Georgia D. Absolutely. And, and the thing about Georgia is the way football is in 2021, you would think Georgia would be a team that would have success. But I think the thing that's benefited Georgia this year is there really isn't a dominant. This is probably the worst quarterback play in college. Well, this, is, this, is, this is probably the worst quarterback play in college football in a long time. So there really isn't a dominant quarterback. So that's why Georgia's been able to have success, you know, running the ball and playing good defense. And I, I just feel like I don't think they're going to destroy Bama because I just don't think they're built to destroy a great team, George. I think, I think because of because they're not great at quarterback, but I just think their defense is going to be too much for Bryce Young. That's why I think they win it close. And if Brian Robinson doesn't play, I think they win it by two score. I went they win it like twenty four to twenty seven to fourteen. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, yeah, because it's it's not you know the offense has really been because it's like you even look at it for the draft. It's like who's really that? It's going to be like defense is really going to probably really control like the first top five pay unless it really Detroit desperately wants a quarterback and does it number one. But like, you know, most of the are defensive you, guys are going to come up the board early. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You know, or off of the line, like it's, you know, like Evan Neal, I think probably going to be the first off of the lineman taken out of Alabama. He's probably going to go top 10, but like, it, you know, I guess it really depends on who kind of fits, you know, for the draft wise, but yeah, it's, they, they really kind of, you know, um, benefited Georgia. And it's like, again, they really haven't, played anybody that's like dominated either like they really Clemson you know obviously that week one but like other than that Tennessee's been like the one team that really give them a game or not they didn't give them a game but like they put up 17 points which is a lot for George to give up so yeah they've kind of blown out everybody it's a different animal now that you're playing but I just yeah this Georgia defense is really taking advantage and even with that, like, I, I would really like to see – saw the team, like, play like an Ole Miss and see how they do. Because I still think they could slow them down. Like, I, I think Ole Miss probably would have got – well, it depends if Lane Kiffin calls the game and goes for it on fourth down a million times. I don't think they'd score much. But, like, you give them somebody that offense, I think you know, Ole Miss probably could have scored maybe 20. But, like, that's really maybe 20, 24. But that's, that's it. Like, this, this defense has been lights out all season. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So we'll move on to the AAC championship game, and obviously the Cincy fans will be big Georgia fans uh, on Saturday as they're playing Houston in the AAC championship game at home. And I think I think Cincinnati. I know Houston's a good team, but Cincinnati I think is, the, is definitely the better team. And that's why I feel like they win it. I think Desmond Ritter has a really good game. I think their defense plays well. I got Cincinnati winning by two scores, thirty-one to twenty, to finish the season thirteen and zero. But Justin, is there a way Houston can ruin Cincinnati's undefeated season? There's a chance, you know, I get to win this game 31-27. I think Houston's a really good team. Um, you know, they had a big lead opening week against um, Texas Tech, and they blew it. Like, you know, since then, I think they're going for their, 
it'll be the 12th straight victory, which I think will be the most of school history. Cincinnati's got 26 straight home wins. So Desmond Ritter has not lost a home game as a starting quarterback in his career. So we'll see. You know, Houston's scoring off the 10th in the country. This is going to be a, a really good test for the secondary. Only gave up eight touchdowns in the year. Clayton Toon, he's thrown 26 of them this year. So something's got to give. You know, Houston's, you know, pretty balanced offensively. So, you know, I was very impressed the way because SMU, Houston, I think SMU's offense is a little bit better than Houston's is, and they did a great job starting down, so I could see it. Um, you know, like I know Luke Fit, like Luke Fickle, I know, and Nordine, I guess, even said it. Like, they're, they, you know, they're going to wait for Luke Fickle to finish up. So, there's not really a distraction right now. The players have to worry about Luke Fickle leaving right now. But, you know, maybe in the future, you know, obviously maybe in the future, but right now there's not really a distraction of him flirting with any jobs, which is good. But I think Cincinnati takes care of business, and I think they do all they can to uh, try to get to the playoffs now. Yes, yes. I think they definitely win this game. Uh, Big Ten championship game, you got Michigan and Iowa. And this game, Michigan should win this game. They should win it by three, three, two or three scores. I mean, I think they're going to be able to have success running the ball in Iowa. And Iowa's offense, if you stop Tyler Goodson, is absolutely terrible. Iowa did beat Penn State, but the, but we all know if, if, uh, if Sean Clifford – uh, uh, stayed in that game. There's no way that uh, that Iowa would have beaten Penn State, and we saw Iowa the two weeks after that. They they got crushed to Wisconsin, and they got crushed with to uh, Purdue, and they scored a combined 14 points in those games. I think this is a game that uh, Michigan maybe it's close early for in the first half, but I think Michigan runs runs the ball with with Haskins and with Chrome. I think Mac, Mac, CJ McNamara has a uh, Cade McNamara has a pretty good game. And I got Michigan winning it by three scores. I think Petrus turns the ball over a couple of times. I got Michigan winning the Big Ten by three scores. I got them beating Iowa to go to the college football playoff. Yeah, I get the Wolverines too, 24 to 13. I think it could be a slow start, but like Iowa, I don't know how Iowa does. Because Iowa, you know, the only way Iowa wins games is they force like three turnovers. And I don't see them doing that against the Wolverines this week. I think, you know, Kane America Mayor is only throwing three interceptions in the year. Again, they get out to a lead. I just, you know, I they're just going to keep the ball on the ground. And, you know, Iowa trailed 15 last week. The Nebraska, they already come back. But, like, yeah, their offense is just horrible. They, I don't think they'll be able to move the ball against Michigan. Again, maybe it's a letdown early on. But, like, I don't really see it being a Big Ten championship game. I see them controlling this game on, on the ground up front. And as long as Michigan doesn't turn the ball over, I can't see them lose this game because, yeah, Iowa cannot move the ball. I still – you know, I think they rank like one thirteenth in yards per attempt on the ground. Like, Tyler Goodson's good, but it's like they still—it's like it's two, three yards, and that's that—that's it. And I don't see them being able to have success doing that against the Wolverines. Yeah, 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 absolutely not. Absolutely not. So we got the last game. That's the ACC championship game between Wake Forest and Pitt. You got a nice quarterback matchup between Sam Hartman and Kenny Pickett, and I think it's a high-scoring game back and forth. And I think Kenny Pickett is the one that wins the game, and Pitt wins the ACC. Yeah, I'm going to go Pitt, 45-41, just because Pitt plays a little bit more defense than Wake does. Pitt's only giving up 23 points a game. Wake Forest in the month of October is giving up 35 points per game. You know, Kenny Pickett just passed Dan Marino for the most touchdown passes in the season. So the first 10-win season for the Panthers since 1981. It's been a great season for Pittsburgh. Um, I think Kenny Pickett destroys Wake Forest through the air. Their defense is just horrific. Um, that And that's why. Like, Pitt can't run the ball, but Wake Forest can't stop either so like i could see pittsburgh actually being able to run the ball somewhat in this game i'm gonna gonna take the panthers to win their first uh acc title 
Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, I think so. I think I think they're going to win their first ACC championship. So we'll wrap up the show talking about the NBA and uh, LeBron James is going to be out for uh, ten days due to being in healthy health and safety protocols. It didn't matter last night when they played against your Kings; they still destroyed your Kings last night. Yeah, yeah, Kings. What a joke the Kings are. But mm. yeah, I mean, it didn't matter against the Kings, but I think it could matter. You know, and, and, and you saw them play without LeBron earlier in the season. I think this potentially could matter for the Lakers, and, and because I'm not, I don't trust West Westbrook and. Uh, AD are not great point three points here, so I think this definitely uh, could hurt the Lakers with LeBron being out. Yeah, definitely. You know, they're seven four this year with LeBron. They're five and eight without him. You know, their defense hasn't been great, and you talk about their three point shooting. You know, without LeBron, it's not great either. Malik Monk ste- stepped up. Like that's those are the guys they're going to need. Like they're going to need the Malik Monk. Dwight Howard had a double double last night. Like those are the type of guys they're going to have to step up. But um, yeah, you know, the Lakers, you know, could be. In, some trouble because you know LeBron's been hurt somewhat so far this year. He's kind of been in and out of the lineup. Um, but yeah, you know, they got a big one Friday against the Celtics, who I know are pretty much in the same spot they are, just cannot get into any rhythm. So, you know, you know, hopefully you'll be back for the Lakers sooner rather than later. But yeah, like they're good, they're gonna need some of these kind of reserve guys to step up without LeBron the next few weeks. Uh- Absolutely. And we'll wrap up talking about the Suns beating the Warriors last night, 104-96. I, I still think the Warriors are the better team, though. I think once if Klay Thompson is what he was before he got hurt and Steph Curry – and obviously Steph Curry's been great, and, and, and if they get James Wiseman back, I still think the Warriors are the better team. I know Devin Booker missed most of the game, but I still think the Warriors just have more talent than the Suns. Even though the Suns have won 17 in a row and they've been, they've, they, they've been, they've been really, really good, I still think the Warriors are the better team. I'm going to take the Suns because I think the Suns are built to stop the Warriors. Like a guy like Michael Bridges last night absolutely made sure Seth Curry couldn't breathe. He was four for 21, and that is hard to do to make Curry go four for 21 again. I think with their length, with the Suns have, like I think like they're built to beat teams like that with the way they defend. And Chris Paul, you know, he's still playing well. He made a couple of big baskets late in that game last night. Aiden played well again. Like guys stepped up around. And I think with their defense, they're going to be able to beat guys. You know, look, I, you know, the Warriors, yeah, you know, Jordan Poole's look good, you know, um, Andrew Wiggins. But, like, Clay Thompson comes back. I just haven't seen him two and a half years, and that's kind of why, too. Like, I just don't know what Clay Thompson going to look like because I, I have a hard time seeing him come back and be the same Clay Thompson that he's been, you know, before the injury. Just It's been two and a half years. So, I'll take the Suns, you know, even with Booker Hurt, you know, hopefully he's back soon. You know, hamstring injuries are not – you know, the quickest things to get, get right, get back from, but I'll, I'll take the Suns. I, I love the way they play defense and their length and, you know, um, Bridges did a terrific job last night on Curry. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he did. He did. So yeah, both teams, 18 and three top, top two teams in the West, top two, uh, top best, the two best records in the NBA. So we'll definitely be talking about this uh, in, in the coming months. But that's going to wrap it up this week on Sports Talk with R&J. For our producer, Jace Garcia, who did a great job. And for Justin Nafrio, I'm Steve Risser. We'll be back next week uh, recapping the, the, the Final Four in college football and previewing Week 14 in the NFL. Have a great weekend, everyone. Jones on first down. Wide open, it's Barkley. And Saquon Barkley will take it into the end zone. Your best ability is his availability. Saquon Barkley... He's great when he's on the field, but the problem is, since 2018, he hasn't been healthy for this team. Look at this. They lob it to him. He taps it in off the glass. How about that? Porter Moser, I think right now, is the best coach in college basketball. Hands down. Fins two for three. He's done his part. Fins is drilled to deep right field toward the pole, and it is gone. They don't
don't mind not being what they were in the 90s as the best organization in baseball. Because the Yankees are not they're even close to the best organization in baseball. They're trying to be the Rays. And the Rays do this for a reason. Like, you're the Yankees. Joe McGuire, I'm the president of Clovercrest Media Group, and here at CMG we have a wide variety of podcasts, including sports shows like Keys to the City, The Roll Call, Throwing Jabs, All Four Downs, and Jawing About the G-Men, and great true crime shows like Sticky Meek, Crimes and Consequences, Ivy League Murders, and Burn, The Unsolved Murder of David Eichmann. You can find all these podcasts and so much more by visiting clovercrestmedia.com. 